with Adam Curry for September 14th, 2021. Welcome to episode number 66. Yep, we're on our schedule. Two weeks on, off, and happy to be here once again. I'm Adam Curry here in the heart of Texas Hill Country and somewhere in Northern Virginia. My friend on the other end, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mo Facts. How you doing, Adam? Wow, that was perfect. <laughs> you had your whole intro like you were a wrestler coming up, you know? <laughs> Good, Mo. How are you, man? How's everything going there? I'm doing great. I, I am doing great. Uh, like you said, we're on schedule. Yeah, um, I love it. This is really good. Before you know it, and, we'll be professional podcasters. And to do a little <laughs> promo, for the people that don't know, I've started doing something, something on the YouTube. Yeah, the lives. Uh, yeah, the lost tapes. So we did a whole nother show on Bill Cosby because so much material, you couldn't leave it untouched. So I love that. Go over there and check it out. Now, are you doing that um, after each episode? Are you doing something before each MoFax episode drops? Or after after it? I love that. So so what happens is, what I call it, is the uh, interactive newsletter. Mm -hmm. So what what we talk about today, next Wednesday on the YouTube MoFax, we'll, we'll... cover some of the topics that we covered today um in more detail and you know have the video aspect and then we have the live feedback from the producers so it's, a, it's another experience and it gives them something uh every week to and, look forward to and it keeps you off the streets mo let's be honest about it it's good for it you. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say we spin the wheel please sir all right here we go there it is the big ass wheel of topics round and round it goes where it stops nobody knows except of course mo because he puts it all together and figures it out what is the topic for episode 66 of mo facts with adam curry pizza potluck uh, yeah potluck potluck love that potluck potluck that's like star trek you know that you remember that the Star Trek theme song when it was black and white? I don't. Oh yeah, I was like, <laughs> oh okay, I remember. I remember yeah, I remember yeah. the song. All right, but, potluck. Good. So how, what we do? We got a couple of topics for today. We got a handful of topics we're gonna cover. Uh, to be exact, four blocks. Okay. Uh, of some current events that's been going on uh, that I've been keeping an eye on. So we we have to talk about them and. These are the topics that don't really need a full show, or sometimes they can spin off into a full show, depending on how far we go into it. But uh, and and there's a theme to this one. I okay. have to say, um, <laughs> of course um, there is. <laughs> we expect nothing less. Of course, there's a theme to it. There's a there's a sub theme to the theme. Mm-hmm. Mr. Jones. We have to talk about it. We have to put some respect on the man's name. Um, with the horse pace uh, debacle we saw at the news media. Oh. It's, so, n- n- do I hit, do I, do I do the next topic thing here? Is that, uh... Please, just go ahead and let's get into it. Oh, LeBron James has a mandate of heaven now. Oh. Okay. So somehow this fits into uh, Alex Jones? <laughs> well, he's going to be a running thing through this show because oh. what I've done here is Topics that he's thrown out, like he's like Kanye, right? Um, uh, what, what, like the fish sticks, you're, you're, the gay if your fish sticks or whatever oh, yeah, Kanye yeah, yeah. said. Yeah, they talking memes or uh, what me and my man Young Grunt call meme and knees, right? Is they talking these, <laughs> these, uh, <laughs> they talking these like catchphrases. 
So when you hear this stuff, it's like easily dismissed. Mm-hmm. But in the show, I have a handful of statements he's made yeah. that I want to deep dive into. And one, the first one being LeBron James has a mandate from heaven. Uh, so it's, it's going to be a fun show. Little, You know, we get a little conspiratorial on the yeah, no, you don't say. No, 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 no. <laughs> Never anything like that. So, I guess we I mean if you're ready to, I'm ready. Right I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for all of it. It's my favorite people: LeBron James, Alex Jones. We're good to go. Is it's all all I spectrum represented Kanye here too? If you if you want, just to warn people. Uh, <laughs> good, good, because I got stuff to talk about. Whenever, hopefully, okay. it's about Donda. Uh, well, we're not going to go actual Kanye, but I had a ISO of Kanye just to bring ourselves back Uh-oh. from the edge of going full Alex Jones. So, oh, okay, hold on a second. This will f- make us feel much better. Come on, man. I ain't finna go Alex Jones level. Y'all, man, come on. Man. Come on. No. <laughs> oh, come on. You know what I'm saying? So this is CBS uh, Los Angeles. LeBron James says the decision on whether or not he gets the COVID-19 vaccine will probably be kept private, adding it's a conversation between you and your family and not for everybody else. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver indicated the league would not require players to get the vaccine, nor would it require fans to be vaccinated in order to attend games. Katie Johnston for CBS LA. Yeah, this is a big topic. I've been hearing about this. (laughs) He's been trying to hide in the weeds mm-hmm. of saying uh, it's a personal decision whether I, it's not a big deal if I say it or not. And the NBA's kind of boxed them in because they're going to yeah. follow the local mandates of if you're not vaccinated, you don't play. So we're going to look at that whole thing. And is there, there's a subtopic in the subtopic okay. um, that I want to follow as well. It, but it all connects as it always does. Um, so have you been, like you said, you've heard this, so. Well, I mean, that's exactly, I mean, you know, I've been studying NBA from a different angle, the owners and Epstein, which I hope to wow you with one of these days. Mm. It's like, it's like crazy when you look into the depths of that and how coincidental it all is and Apollo management. So, so this other stuff is, you know, I've been, I'm a little COVID uh, tired. <laughs> so okay. I'm like, uh, okay. And I'm a little LeBron tired as well, I have to admit. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I kind of know what's going on. So I'm, I'm, I can't wait to hear it all. So what, what I want to do is show you how when it's time to speak, the pressure will be applied and you can't just duck down in the weeds and, and, and not say, I don't want to make a comment. You know, that doesn't work. They did it with that with him in, in China. Yeah, it was a good, um, good try. <laughs> no, that yeah. did not work at all. <laughs> it did not work. But I will say this. I think LeBron James knows he has the timing to understand that if he says he's going to take it, he's going to take a big hit to his uh, following. So right. he's trying to play the middle because if he was vaccinated or was va- vaccine friendly, then he would just come out and say it, right? He'd be like, I'm, I'm taking it, you know? Right. <laughs> I'm rolling up my sleeve. I don't care what's in it. No, I mean, uh, it's obviously, <laughs> if you're going to act like that, we know what's up. Right. So I, I want to go into the the pressure tactics that they use. And one of the uh, pressure points they're using is Stephen A. Smith from First Take. I don't blame the players uh, for being hesitant to promote vaccine, vaccines, considering our nation's history and our mistrust of the federal government. We know that history. We don't have time to get into it. But I think 
considering the number of people who have been vaccinated, which are obviously in the millions, and the fact that it's indiscriminate, there are black and whites and others that have taken the vaccine, I do think it's time for all of us to adopt a mentality that if we have the opportunity to do it, it's something that we should do. And if they come my way with it, I will take the vaccine. Let me address what you just said quickly. Sure. I think as Americans, we are used to a situation where money and power gives you greater access to things and people feel that that's normal. I think if I were running a league and I could get my hands on vaccines and I could legally distribute it, I would to the players. If you're asking me as an independent arbiter, do I think that that's ethical or moral? The answer is no, I don't. So I disagree with you on principle, but in practice, we probably see, I think there is a case to be made on economic lines along the ones you're making. I think the best way to do it is what the most effective way we've seen internationally is you start with the oldest people because they're even more with underlying conditions. The oldest, you know, 85 and over, 75 and over, 65 and over, do it like that. And people with underlying conditions and first responders. And then the rest of us wait for it. So this was early on. Yeah. Uh, uh, in the, I know, in the uh, vaccine rollout. And even Stephen A. Smith was hesitant, as you heard him say. Mm-hmm, yeah. But. Obviously, somebody talked to Stephen A. Smith, and he... Wait a minute. Yeah. Was it the Boulay <laughs> phone? Is that what happened? Did he get a little phone call? I, I don't know which way the phone call went. <laughs> okay. You know, so, so he might have been dialing in the headquarters like, hey... I don't know. Yeah, I, which I'll, way? I'll be your man. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, right. <laughs> so, uh, as you can hear in this one, uh, Max Kellerman kind of topped Stephen A. Smith... Uh, and it starts to irk Stephen A. Smith. So we're going to get into mm-hmm. that as well. Uh, so anything you want to address? Uh, I mean, no, no, uh, keep it rolling, Mo. I'm loving this. I mean, these are names <laughs> I don't even know. You know, I got to look them up while you're talking. I am not okay. Mr. Basketball. No, it's, it's not about basketball. No. We've, we've, we spotted early on that the NBA was the league of choice sure. for the vaccine rollout. Yep. Being Rudy Gobert was the first one to catch the major athlete. And who does he play for? He plays for the Utah Jazz. Okay. Um, and, you know, that's when they shut down the league. They had the whole right. bubble. The yep. NFL has yep. been, they have the vaccine mandate, um, but they leave it up to their players not to take it if they didn't want to. Now, it's heavy fines. Uh, it gets a, it gets a little more games. serious. Yeah, it gets a little more serious. Right. But the NBA has been all in since the beginning. Like I said, with the bubble down in Disney and. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff and the Black Lives Matter on the court and all those things. So mm-hmm. they've been very uh, vaccine friendly. So, well, of um, course, China's still trying to kill us, and that's their uh, their weapon of choice is the NBA. Where there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> just just so, saying, not conspiratorial or anything. Just laying it out there. If the if they if they uh, looks if it, well, I would say if it walks like a duck and talk, uh, quacks mm-hmm. like a duck, then it's a duck. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have next Charles Barkley. And he's going to speak on the vaccine priority. I think they should let the NBA players and coaches all get the vaccine. That's just my personal opinion. I, I, I don't know. I, think you, I don't, I don't, I don't think know. You That's a tough the call. Healthiest people I know. I'm in not, the world. Uh, we're talking at the front of the line. We need 300 million shots. I've given a thousand to some NBA players. What about what about NFL? NFL. I'm just getting rid NFL players, hockey players. Uh, listen, as much taxes as these players pay. Let me repeat that. As much taxes as these players pay, they deserve some preferential treatment. Well, uh, for for life and death? 
Yes. The, yeah, the amount of money you make. Uh, no, no. I said taxes. The amount of, I didn't say the amount of pay. money you make. Well, that's, that's, saying, that's no, on no, taxes. No. That's I'm saying the taxes. amount of taxes these guys pay. No. It, they, they, we can't go there. You got to take care of the elderly right. and the and the at risk no, yeah, before I, you. I, I totally agree. We need to take care of the first responders and the old people. But I'm saying, giving a couple uh, a thousand shots to NBA players is not gonna change the world. I'm just saying. It just make it safer. But if it's not changing the world, why? Are you going to them first? Well, because we listen. I'm just saying. We, we why do they get the preferential? We, why do we? All I'm saying. All we, I'm saying why do we get the preferential chief? Well, I'm, I'm, not I, listen, I'm saying if, if we're gonna try to play basketball, right? We're gonna keep having COVID outbreaks. Okay. That that discussion could go on. A and there's no time. right. Hey, listen. And, and you know, there's no right or wrong answer. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't Barkley old enough to qualify for elderly first? He's right on that cusp. <laughs> got to be close. He's got to be He's up right there. on that cusp. And, and the, uh, you know, weight issues and things like that, they might bump him up even more because, <laughs> uh, you know, call more biddies or what or whatnot. But this is Charles not being read in, and they're trying to walk him back. Did you did you notice that? Oh, totally. Totally. Like, <laughs> hold like, on. A, oh, look at my eyes, Charles. Look at my eyes. <laughs> Listen to what I'm saying. And he's saying... The millionaires and elite should get the shot before everybody else, which I totally agree with. I, I totally yeah. agree with you on they, this one. They should totally do it in public, and they should wait for like 30 minutes so we can make sure that they're okay. That's a very good days. idea. Yes. <laughs> Give it to them, monitor them for 30 days. Yeah, yeah see how now, they're doing. Of course, now you can fire up the phone. Oh, here it is. <laughs> Charles. Number four. Um, I know that, uh, that, that you, you speak your mind, as I said, that you're so honest about sharing your opinions. Um, have you ever said anything that you wish that you would have said uh, differently or not said at all? Yeah, I, actually, you, I'm so glad you asked me that question. I said something last week that uh. even, whether I believe it or not, it was a stupid thing to say. Woo. That I think these NBA players, I think they should get. I said, and I said it. Even though I believe it, I think they should get the vaccine because we have no idea how playing sports is going to have an effect on you down the line if you get this virus. And uh, if you're going to try to play basketball, I think they should get the shot. But I made it seem like they were more important than other people, and they're not. And and it came off stupid, and I apologize if anybody was offended. Uh, but like I say, I want my players to be safe. Uh, listen, but if they can get that vaccine, uh, I hope they get it because, you know, we have no idea how this thing going to affect people in 10, 20, 30 years. Uh, but I, 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 it came off without wow. an elite person, and I apologize if anybody took it like that. Uh, well, I'm glad you got to apologize. And um, all right, we're going we're gonna to take a break. We're going to play a game with Charles when we come back. We'll be back. Wow. Holy crap. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. I'm sorry. I'm so Hey, but first of all, he said, we have no idea how it's going to play out in 30 years from now. That was interesting. It, it, he's stepping all over. Every, every, it's like yeah. he's stepping on like a whole yard full of rakes. Every time he says something, <laughs> it's like another rake. Just it's makes like, it worse. Up, just yeah. shut up. There's some, uh, but there... you see how it works. Uh, Chuck, is there anything you ever wanted to apologize about or you felt was stupid? You know, <laughs> and this was it. Th- th- I mean, that's why he was brought on the Ellen show for. Yeah. That, to get it out to the masses that, hey, I, I said something stupid. I said what we really think. Was there a lot <laughs> of backlash? Was there a lot of backlash about the first uh, the first statement he made? 
Of course. That's why he's on the Ellen show. No, I yeah. mean, he was, uh, I mean, yeah. to get on broad, I mean, daytime television while it was still on, of course. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And here's, here's, I don't understand why he didn't just answer truthfully, because it, it would work. Said, well, we just want to be good examples to everybody. If he had said that, it would have been okay. But what he said was... Yeah, no, I know what he said. <laughs> he says, these... These guys pay a lot of tax. Millionaires, <laughs> they pay a lot of taxes. They deserve it first. Right. Or, screw a dying old person. Like, what's a, what's a, what's a couple of thoughts? I mean, what's a, uh, a thousand dead people? Yeah, nothing. I mean, what, what, what is it really? Nothing. I mean, that's his... Nothing to the NBA. Nothing to, nothing that's to his show. tone. It's yeah. like, and, and the NBA is like, hey, no, 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 you can't say that. Yeah. And, and then he steps on himself. We don't know what this vaccine gonna do to people in twenty thirty. I can't years. believe he said that. He screwed it up on the on the on the make good. So crazy, <laughs> right. yeah. Chuck. Yeah, that's Chuck for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's fascinating is Charles Barkley was all the one. I'm, I don't apologize for anything. Um, right. I speak he, my mind. Yes. Not when that phone rings, Mm-mm. and that's why I had to bring the phone in. Now you. Now we're starting to see when you step out of line. You you get the phone, and that's what's happening with LeBron right now. He's the phone ain't rang yet, or you know, or you know, or they send him. I wonder if it's like a boule text. It's like I was gonna say they send him a te- just an, one emoji. That's how it starts. It's one emoji on text. Oh, okay, I got it. So now we go back to first take, and this is I gotta set this up a little bit. So Max Kellerman, aka Blacks Kellerman, mm-hmm. has always been known for one upping Stephen A. Smith in, in the black category, as we explored on episode sixteen. I was going to say but it's a long gonna, time ago that we talked about that, right? But it's it came to a head, and on clip number six, we're going to hear an example of him one upping uh, Stephen A. Smith. Athletes should not be forced into positions where they must publicly espouse that they are affirmatively, you know, they're, 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 they're putting their weight behind, yes, everyone should do this. Because if they don't feel that way, then they shouldn't be forced into an, a, a hypocritical position. This is, however, if the vaccine is available and they opt not to take it, they shouldn't play. Like that's all, if they don't, but a public service announcement is something else. They should not be forced to do public service announcements even if I think it's it's foolish not to. Now, let me tell you why I think it's foolish not to and what I think their problem is. In the Venn diagram, right, you have the different circles and where they overlap is the shaded area. This is a perfect storm, another metaphor for it, of, of, um, of, of this vaccination issue. Number one, they're pro athletes. Pro athletes care about what they put in their body. And, and anyone here is, wait, I'm putting a... a, a dead disease in my body even the thought of it's disturbing if to a lot of people to me yeah that's not what it is even if you understand the science very well you still say oh i just don't like the idea of it and pro athletes want to be sure about what they're ingesting and unless it's going to help them on the field of play especially that's one two there's a lot of anti-vaxxer nonsense out there just nonsense and low quality information that many among us have have uh, um, swallowed and and kind of uh, internalized and now believe the anti-vaxxer industry is utter nonsense nonsense that's all it's nonsense however there's an overlap there too because many in the population including in the nba 
have subscribed to it, as many people have subscribed to a lot of low quality information in recent years and misinformation. And three, you mentioned it, Stephen A., the United States has a bad history with African-American people, don't they? And, and including <laughs> experiments on African-American people, yeah. right? And so if you are... About. Yes. So if you're thinking, wait, I'm not going to be you want me to take that. Are we sure about this? Are you experimenting on me? I think all three things come into play here. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So You can hear Stephen A. Smith. Like that's exactly what I was talking about, Max. Like, right. And this has been a common thing with Max. He always on on the spectrum of black. I mean, because we know black is a title, not not a race. Um or or a, uh, a brand, well brand. Excuse <laughs> me. Exactly. He's he's always found himself. See, Stephen A. Smith has been seen as a conservative person, or you know, he even said that black people should vote Republican one time to send a message to the Democratic Party. He quickly uh, came back on that statement. Uh, he got the phone right. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, and then it just his overall tone and, you know, and things of that nature. So it makes it easier for Max to, you know, want up him when it comes to the, to blackness. So, um, Stephen, a, you can hear the, like disdain. Oh yeah. And, um, Stephen A's voice, like you're, you're doing it again. Right. Um, so yeah, so that, that it, it irks him, and then you just heard him say, "And this is a great opportunity for you to ask the question about experiments, Adam." Well, yes, I was going to say that we had, uh, I'd actually um, offline, off the show, I, I we talked about this, and I said, "Hey, man, mm-hmm. I, I can, I remember exactly." So I hope you remember your exact answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, uh, "You know this uh, Tuskegee experiment." I said, "Yeah." Absolutely. It was a long time ago. And even, but you know, it's so bad, even President Clinton had to apologize for it. But it seems like it's being used as a crutch. Like, that's the only thing I ever hear. Not that it's not valid, but it seems a little bit like a cop out because, you know, so much has happened since then, which I think is also valid to be suspicious of government in general. Mm-hmm. So, and what I, yeah, what I would say is not a crutch, it's a repellent. It's, a, it's the one thing that you can say that, you know, resonates, with, you know, with whoever's asking you or putting pressure on you to say, what about Tuskegee? <laughs> you know, like, and right, it, right. you kind of got to back off the person, which we have far well, worse experiments um, well, you said, that you could discuss. Go you ahead. said something else to me, which which stuck in my mind. Go ahead. I said a lot, so, so you might have to remind me. And this was just Adam and Mo talking as friends, right? Which is what the show is as well. It's just we weren't rolling tape. I said, no, here's what you said to me. You said, Adam, you've got to understand for black men, just using black as a brand, mm-hmm. um, you said, we hate going to the doctor. Because, and I oh, said, yeah, yeah. And I, and I <laughs> said, no, well, let me, I'm going to spit it back to you, see if I got no it right. Way. And I said, okay, by the way, I haven't seen the inside of an actual medical doctor's office in many, many years. I do functional medicine, all kinds of other stuff, voodoo shit, spells. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you say, no, black men, we know that the doctor is only a pill or a knife. That's and, it. And it brings a whole bunch of other crap with it. And, and by the way, it, this black man here in Texas feels the same way. That's why I never go. <laughs> I don't want to have any of that stuff. I don't trust him anymore. And that's the that's the only two options you have for it. And and if you don't have a solution other than that, then why go? I mean, you know what you need to do: eat healthy, exercise, those kind of things. But 
Well, I mean, there yeah, are I mean, there are some absolute things that that need to be looked at. Uh, but I was just surprised because you know, uh, obviously, a lot of uh, uh, ADOS men go to the doctor for uh, high blood pressure and for um, and for diabetes. Most of the time, that's because it's a free visit and a loved one is pressuring you to go. It's like right. your free physical. You know, what I'm saying like uh, I'm just for full disclosure. My wife is like, I um I scheduled your uh free physical. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Is that how it yeah, works? So yeah. it's that kind of thing. And that's then, what Tina does with the with the dentist. Right. <laughs> so I mean, it's not like we're picking up the phone. Like, let me get my blood pressure checked. Right. Right. It, right, right. So that kind of thing, but. I also wanted to bring to the show that it's used as a repellent as well for people that may not be vaccine friendly because that backs you up off of we, you. People off of yeah, you very we, easily. We need a new dead black person. You know, to... well, well, just wait. Just wait. Just wait. <laughs> well, I think there's a couple that we kind of overlooked who uh, who died within days of their vaccination. We got a whole host of things to look at. All um, right. I'll, I'll, all right. Thank you. I, I'm glad we brought that back up. But yeah, that's what they were. That's what they're alluding to because the the Tuskegee one is the one that every it's like in the um, shared consciousness of people. So it's like you say Tuskegee, and it's automatically. Well, well, I'm not going to push that any further because I know where that goes. But you see, that only has so many legs. <laughs> as is what's going on exactly. now in exactly <laughs> in society. So just as a reminder, let's go back to show 16, and this is the ultimate example of. Uh, this is around the Colin Kaepernick situation, and Stephen A. Smith was critical of Colin Kaepernick, and uh, I think this is when he did that uh, stage workout for Nike and that whole thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and Terrell Owens confronts Stephen A. Smith. So what he wanted was transparency for people to see the full workout, to see the full Colin Kaepernick. Again, you, you mentioned, obviously, Max is going to get in here, and like I said, I'm in the streets. Max almost seems blacker than you, Stephen A., with his coming, you know, with his commentary. With all due respect, my brother. You <laughs> I'm just you, saying, you, dog. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm just a, saying. I'm going to check you right now. You don't cross I'm the line. I'm just saying. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Wait a minute. You don't cross the line. First of all, like I said, you... Colin Kaepernick, <laughs> Eric Reed, any of y'all that want to debate me in front of black people and talk about what's best for black people, name the time and place, I'll show up. I don't want to hear, what's the definition of blackness? Is there a definitive definition of blackness? Mm. Yeah, so, I remember this. <laughs> so, in the meantime, that was pretty ins- it, was pretty ins- it was pretty insulting what he said. <laughs> it was. It like, was. You're not it black was, enough, man. You should, you, especially you can't ter- vote for Trump. Especially Terrell Owens being a black man. Like, yeah. you know what that means. Like, you can, he might can say that over, I don't even know if you can say that over a car game because you might get punched. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't say that. You just don't say that. But that was a, tr- he wanted to trigger Stephen A. Smith and that was a low hanging fruit to do it with. But in the meantime, I have to give, catch two people up on YouTubia news. Oh, uh, <laughs> um, Kwame Brown. He's came came out and made uh, Stephen A. Smith his number one target, oh. uh, and labeled their whole crew the "go along to get along" gang, aka the Boulay. Um, <laughs> Someone else, I, um, Tina was telling me about this. Uh, was it handkerchief head, handkerchief heads. Have you ever heard of this term? No, I haven't. Well, that's also supposed to be "get along, go along" crew. Handkerchief okay, heads. Yeah. I haven't heard that, but that's what he labeled him, and it stuck. 
Mm. And, you know, and it's putting a lot of pressure on uh, Stephen A. Smith. And you can tell because he even made a reply video um, to Kwame Brown on his show. So that means that tells you how far it's gotten up on their skin. And not only has um, Kwame Brown gotten up on this um, Stephen A's skin, Max has, and this is the sec follow up clip to what Terrell Owens said, and Max had to chime in um, on on what happened here. And I know Max, you didn't have a chance to jump in, and I'm sure you want to respond. Well, it's on okay. This conversation. Got kind of explosive when To you said tongue in cheek. You said that Stephen that I seem blacker than Stephen A, and Stephen A obviously <laughs> had to respond to that. And I want to respond to that before I say what I originally yeah. wanted to say, which is first of all, I can't eat anymore all the cookouts I, I, I've been invited to, like since this whole thing came up. I see Stephen A as having inherited not only a respect for authority, but a, a, a working knowledge of reality and what it takes to get ahead no excuses you can always look for excuses you can look for things to lean on you can look for where it's not perfect or you can do what you have to do which is what Stephen a has done and i would say that his his that your point of view Stephen a to Stephen a's point of view is not less black necessarily than someone else's who's more strident it is more conservative in certain respects and my point of view is oftentimes more progressive my own background is jewish secular not religious but jewish secular so one of the things you get around passover is act like you were a slave in egypt that's how i grew up like you know with that tradition of always look at the oppressed and look for righteousness and justice and so i'm strident in that way however my, me myself i did not have to go through the struggle like that he invited to the cookout <laughs> He invited to the barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> so let me explain to you what Stephen A. Smith may have been hearing as, as I'm a black man. So right. Yes. Go, go for it. Here and I know Max, you didn't have a chance to jump in, and I'm sure you want to respond. Well, it's on this okay. Conversation. Got kind of explosive when To you said tongue in cheek. You said that Stephen that I seem blacker than Stephen A. And Stephen A. obviously <laughs> had to respond to that. And I want to respond to that before I say what I originally yeah. wanted to say, which is first of all, I can't eat anymore all the cookouts I, I, I've been invited <laughs> to. Like since this whole thing <laughs> came up, I see Stephen A. as having inherited not only a respect for authority but a, a, a working knowledge of reality and what it takes Stop. to get ahead yeah that respect for authority yeah where's that coming from that, no that's he's a good house slave yeah i mean well, either that or she <laughs> you listen to your mom because she'll whoop your ass but yeah i took it that way too You're right that's the, and, and steve i know he's over there seething seething <laughs> what like a respect for authority and, and then he uses word like strident so let, i mean let's keep going Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't realize you want me to roll the oh, whole no, thing. No, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. We don't need to. But you heard the. Oh no! He's I, I, laughing. I got it. He's, yep. he's laughing on the inside, <laughs> and then he's like, "Well, you know, Stephen A. You know, I'm I'm more strident with my uh, rebellion, and you know, he's he's controllable. He's the you know he's the good Negro. And <laughs> no, I'm I'm telling you this how it received. And if you don't believe me, listen to number nine. What happened? Well, the rumor's accurate in terms of me wanting him off the show. Let's get that out the way. Mm. Uh, yes, I did. Um, you know, we don't have a bad relationship. Uh, I think he's a real good guy. Um, I appreciate what he did for the show. 
Uh, we were number one for five years. Uh, we stayed number one, and I appreciate that. Uh, but what a lot of people don't realize is that the work that goes into doing the show uh, every single day. In the nine years that I've been on First Take, I've given over 33,000 takes. And what a lot of people don't realize is that not just the work that goes into that, but also the fact that it's a chemistry that you have. And sometimes it just stalls and the audience lets you know that it is what it is. And you feel the need for something fresh. You feel the need to retool. And the reason why I'm unapologetic about my position is that number one is no knock against him personally, his professionalism, his work ethic and all of that other stuff, his talent. Uh, it's not like um, I wanted the guy to be fired or anything like that. I knew that there were landing spots for him available at this network uh, that would generate just as much, if not more revenue for him and all of that other stuff. And it wasn't really about asking him to be off the show. It was about the fact that I knew that that we together, uh, as far as I was concerned, was not a great partnership anymore. And that was something that needed to change. It also wasn't my decision. Um, you know, I gave my recommendation. They ask it, I tell it. Every single year when the season, you know, when the NBA season comes to an end, the bosses ask me where I stand. And for the last three years, I said, this is where I stood. Man, shows you who's got the juice. Whoa. <clears throat> Recent juice, mm-hmm. as he says, I've been asking for him to be fired for three years now. Yeah, because he's been blacker than me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Not my words, Mm-mm. but that's been the sentiment that. I mean, you heard what uh, Max said that I, mean, I can't go anymore. Any more cookouts? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm full over here, and it got under Stephen A's skin, and <clears throat> that combined that with the uh, get along, go along, get along gang. This is so uh, being on mean, his heels. Two years ago, you wouldn't have any of these conversations uh, during sports programming, would you? It picked up really around uh, Colin Kaepernick. That was like the genesis. Okay, yeah, so that was three three years, yeah. Yeah, yeah so that yeah. was the genesis of the conversation. Stephen A wanted to keep it to sports. Max knew that as long as he, he's like that cool hip-hop, kind of white guy, you know what I'm saying? He likes rap, you know, and that kind of thing. So he knows the rap references. So he can, and Stephen oh, like, A's like not. The, like the douchebag Ari Melbourne on uh, MSNBC. Oh, we're going to get to Ari. Be, be, be easy. <laughs> that <Ari>. guy. I just <laughs> want to rip his neck off and pull it through the well, TV screen. <laughs> in all fairness, never go full Ari. But I mean. Uh, <laughs> Very bad idea. But, but Max is like, nah, he's not as, nobody's bad as Ari. I mean, let's just be honest. Ari is the pits. And I'll be covering him uh, in, in, the, in the genius words of Tupac Shakur. I'm like, click. <laughs> I don't want to hear yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. But, it, and the thing was, Stephen A's leads off because he's the host. I mean, he's yeah, the yeah. headliner. That's right. So all Max has to do is sit back in the cut. And, and cash and the check he, and shut up and be normal. No, what I'm saying is the tactic that he uses in the debate, because it's a debate show, is mm-hmm. what it is. I mean, that's sure. what the model yeah, of the show but is. But what are they debating? That's the problem. It's like, don't debate that. Get out of here. This is sports. Correct. But, you know, ESPN went full woke. And now they're claiming they have to even go fuller woke because they fired several different people over there. But I just want to show you, why all of a sudden did he, after three years, they give in to his request? Mm. Is it because he rolled up his sleeve and said, I'll be your Vax man? Mm. Uh, with that 
says, uh, let's get into number 10. I certainly don't believe they should be forced to do a PSA. I totally agree with you there. What I will say, however, is that the athletes themselves have put themselves in a position where people feel they should be compelled to do such a thing by by virtue of the reach that they have and how they flaunt that reach and the impact that it has. Like, for example, if you want to sit up there and address and I know that it's apples and oranges in a lot of people's eyes, but not to me. When you sit up there and you want to address racial injustice issues and you're talking about it's not just about myself, it's about my family, it's about my community, et cetera, et cetera. Well, in a different, in a completely different kind of way, so is the coronavirus pandemic. Because the fact of the matter is, is that when you get ill, chances are you can make someone else ill. Chances are it's going to be a member of your family, a loved one, et cetera, et cetera. And that reality being as pertinent as it is does elevate the level of responsibility. If you say on under any circumstances that something is not about you, it's about the impact that you know you have, the voice that you know you have, the fact that you can give a voice to the voiceless, et cetera, et cetera. And that was impetus enough or motivation enough for you to take certain positions and to put yourself on front street. Then someone in the medical profession can simply come to you and say, OK, we've got over 400,000 deaths nationwide. We've got millions upon millions who have died from this worldwide. It's contagious. And there's a vaccine that is proven thus far that it can help proven. derail <laughs> that issue. Do you not feel an obligation to do that? They can ask the question. Man, this spell is so powerful. And this was early on. This was before the approval of anything. A vaccine is proven. And he's he's proven and he's he's saying that you have to take it to protect others which is the opposite of what a vaccine does well yeah it, it never let you know the truth get in the way of and that's why <laughs> yeah. i think this alex jones yeah, right. potluck because of that it's like nobody cares about facts nobody cares about truth um you might know a guy named uh joe rogan um yeah and and you saw how they did him and that's this is was like the well, what, reason, one of the reasons for the show that the media is completely sold out. All media. What was interesting, all, what was interesting about yeah. What was interesting about Joe. Um, you know, I've been on, uh, I've been to Joe's show three times, just briefly before this this last time when he uh, when he got COVID. Uh, every single time he has a nurse on uh, on site. The minute you come in, you you can't even really walk far into the door. You know, you sit down and she does the test and then i always ask for an antibody test to see if i might have had it which i don't have uh mm -hmm. although i'm pretty sure i have t-cell immunity and knowing joe from um two years ago when he was scouting out locations in um in austin and he had his mother-in-law i think his mother-in-law may live with them uh, his wife his uh, two daughters and uh he was super cautious no handshaking masks I I wouldn't ask him because he's my friend, uh, but mm -hmm. not not like we're friends. Um, yeah, but just like it's just none of my business. And if he wants to tell mm -hmm. me, he can tell me. I'm ninety nine point ninety nine percent certain he got vaccinated. And he also texted me after he he uh, uh, was cured, and he mm -hmm. said, "Well, I guess this vaccine is unnecessary." So the way he said that to me meant he definitely got the vaccine. But the assumption right away, and that's kind of I wish he would say something about it. That's the no, we, hey, and I and I, I want to say something. 
I ended the last show and I said the white phone. And what I mean by that is there's a white boule phone and there's a black boule phone. You know what I'm saying? Like Joe knows. I mean, I mean, excuse me. I mean, I don't want to speak for him, but everybody in the entertainment industry knows there's certain things you can say that your phone will ring. And sometimes people just don't want that smoke. I mean, like, I mean, this, this is what Stephen A. Smith, this is what LeBron James is doing to bring it back to the topic. He, he knows he like, a big, a large of his following are vax hesitant, mm-hmm. sure, right? Sure. And he's like, if I take this, if I take it, I got to come out and be full throated about. It. And that's what Stephen A. Smith is calling on him to do, right? Mm-hmm. You've used your plat. That's when the you, the you he's talking about is LeBron, right? You, know, you jumped out I here in front yeah, of everything. I got you. Yep. You know, you put your face on everything. You know, you want to be Taco Tuesday, LeBron. <laughs> you know, all this stuff. <laughs> And now it's all of a sudden when it's vax time, you're you're saying you want to owe us a personal decision. No, it doesn't work like that. Um, and that's what's happening. No, he now, sold dude. his soul a long time ago. Right. But I'm gonna say this, and this is just me speculating, but if LeBron James wanted to top Michael Jordan in being the most prolific basketball player ever, if he came out and said, I'm anti vax. I'm riding with my people. That might be a pathway to it. He can't do a basketball. Let's just mean just. I know you don't know basketball, but he just can't accomplish. I take your word for it. Of Michael Jordan. Yeah, I take your word for but it. But this political issue, I'm just saying, as big as this is, this is not China. This is not Colin Kaepernick. We're talking about. I told you before, LeBron James could cause a problem in China just with his words. We talked about this in 16, mm-hmm. where he has followings. I mean, like, he calls his fans witnesses. Yeah. I mean, it's like to a demigod level. And if he comes out and says, nah, I ain't taking it. Nah, uh-uh. That might catapult him over. But that's like Ali, not now. You're talking about Ali, and you want to compare yourself to Ali? Yeah. Yeah, you, <laughs> you got to be a, you got to be against the government, to, for starters. Well, that's that's that that's what put him on. I'm, I had that thought. I was like, now that could be a thing that um, puts him on par with Ali outside of sports. How in in this regard, just to test the theory, mm-hmm. um, how does Nicki Minaj fit in? I'm sure you followed uh, that yes, that fracas because you know now here is someone who I was, and maybe she's still going to get the boule call. Uh, she already got it. No, she already backtracked. She already backtracked. I know. She's got the call. Oh, I, she I don't know how she's. Re- I mean, that was that, to that was quite amazing what she said. I mean, first of all, she went anti elite by saying, mm-hmm. "Hey, I'm, I'm if I'm going to get vax, it's not for that." She has now. I think she has tweeted. Well, you know, I'm just going to research and I'll get vax. And, you know, she's saying when I when I have to do my tours and everything, I'm going to go slow. Is I think what what she was saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I loved how she got into a big fight with. Uh, uh, with Joy Reid. <laughs> uh, now, does this catapult her into any any sort of uh, super stratospheric level by being uh, female hip-hop or definitely not the message we're hearing from others? I would say being anti-vax is soon going to be like... What it's going to be trendy. Right, trendy. I mean, like, that's the... that That's the anti... That's the uh, counterculture. Oh, my God. Bru- we need that, Mo. We, we need the trendsetters. We need it. And you're starting to see, I mean, like I said, with for LeBron, it's easy. This is 
is an easy one for LeBron because they could shoot him with saline and he goes on TV and yeah. he doesn't have to harm his body. <clears throat> but he understands that his following is watching and a huge part of his following is race-based and this conversation is race-based. I mean, um, uh, as far as the hesitancy mm-hmm. uh, for reasons that we, we, we've discussed before and we may, may, we may discuss later. Um, <laughs> could <laughs> stay come tuned. Up. Could come up. But yeah, but let me just get back to Stephen A. Smith, and I want to show you he went from being the the uh, the you to a full on attack with Donald Lemon on CNN. Basketball superstar LeBron James won't say whether he has received or will receive the coronavirus vaccine. James, outspoken on social issues like racial justice and voting rights, very outspoken, says his own vaccination status is not a big deal. Anything I do on the floor is. Uh predicated to my family you know uh, for the majority for 99.9 percent of that so you know it's about the health and safety of my family um and that's what it came down to Uh, me being available to my teammates uh, on the floor me taking care of my body do you mind me asking if that if you're confirming that you did get the vaccine uh it's not it's not a big deal (laughs) Stephen a thank you yeah that man thank you i love your outspokenness i thank you for doing this this bothers you you said that lebron can't have it both ways that he either wants to be out front and center bringing a voice to issues or he doesn't tell me why this is so important to you well i think that you know obviously you know you had me on your show a few months ago when i decided to to take the vaccine i had my reservations there's a plethora of people within the african-american community that has had that, that have had our reservations about taking the vaccine but ultimately you know when you go into ICUs and what have you you see things that have been so profoundly detrimental to the African American community uh, you take a stand and you take a position I'm not of the position that LeBron James normally under normal circumstances should feel any obligation whatsoever to divulge whether or not he's taken the vaccine but considering the multitude of issues that he's been willing to tackle considering what provoked him to do so because of concerns for his community community, his people, those are his words. These are the kind of things that he has said time and time and time again. Then why would you not speak on the issue of being vaccinated or not? Oh man, Stephen A. Smith is a cruise missile. Yeah. <laughs> Got LeBron's butt right on it. It's like, here we come. That's the, pre- that's, that's, this is how the boule phone works out in public. It's like, we, oh, you don't want to answer the phone, huh? All right. Okay. You don't, you don't want to answer the phone. All right. All right. LeBron. The uh, thing that bothers me, and Stephen A. Smith did it, is this mm-hmm. lie that um, COVID affects uh, black and brown communities six times more than white communities. It's bullshit. It's whoa, not true. Wait, wait, hold on now. Hold on. Uh-huh. I didn't include this in here. And I'm, you can catch it on my YouTube channel, but I discussed something I heard, and I don't know how true it is, but supposedly black people have more receptors in their nose. <laughs> then, uh, I, I, I BS you not. Be- <laughs> Wait a minute. So, uh, is that is that because of the the size of the nostrils, or could I a Jew know. could a Jewish man also get more because of his nose? No. I mean, he's actually on the he's actually on the lower end of the lowest what? end of the spectrum. Nah, I got to understand this. Okay, all right. Well, but, like I said, go go. I, 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 I got to look at the live man. People, I got to look at the live. People, if people come over. To the live next Wednesday at eight o'clock. Uh, it's gonna be great. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll discuss that in front. But this is from a, this is from a verified doctor. 
So I mean, this is not something I'm pulling out. The wow. Air, but, okay. Well, yeah. then then I may be wrong. But uh, we, you're right in the sense of they take but hold, morbidities. But, 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 but hold on yeah. a second. Hold on a second. Yeah. I'm just uh, presuming here that's because of the size and shape of the African-American nose. But that is certainly know. not uniform amongst black and brown people. I mean, there's all kinds of noses. Well, I, I, like I said, I, they said that we have five receptors and when other people have three. And I'm like, of what, of what we have wealth in? You are so Thank fortunate. You. you finally have something more than the white man. An extra receptor. Enjoy it. Two. Two, two. extra receptors. <laughs> no, okay. I mean, but, I, look, the way I see it is, is the way poor people are affected six times as much. And that's correct, also but, white people. It's poor people. But they conflate it to high comorbidity rates. I know. Yeah. Yeah, that kind. But it sounds much better. It affects black people. You know, and that's the that's the shaming. That's the sign language. The shame, the insult. It's evil. It's evil. And I don't like it. I don't like right. it. So, um, and when I'll say this, and I didn't clip this, but uh, maybe later uh, in another show, they've been putting pressure on LeBron. They had this WNBA player come out and say he's trafficking kids, which when you said about Epstein, that made me perk up. I'm like, well, now, now I'm like, hold on. <laughs> you might have to uh, send me some clips on this because she came out and said it like LeBron. But it was, I know what it was. It was one of those things like, hey, we can give anything. Anytime. Anytime we can do anything to you wherever we want. And then they got him pushing a referee or a fan or something. Like these stories never get reported. Mm. Now all of a sudden they're getting reported and they're putting the pressure on. This them. is the boule nudge. Yes. And the final piece of pressure is the unvaccinated uh, players could miss home games. It won't have a big impact if you get vaccinated. If you're an NBA player in any of these cities, get vaccinated. You won't have to go through this uncomfortable situation. But, you know, listen, the NBA is sending a clear sign that they're going to use the local guidelines, even if they have to, to not let anything interrupt their games. They don't have the flexibility that they had last year to reschedule, postpone games, move things around, release the schedule, the second half of the schedule later. That's all out the window if you're trying to get back to your 82-game schedule. So, you know, here they found an opportunity where they can basically indirectly uh, try to promote and also mandate the vaccine in a way, not truly a mandate, but a mandate in a way. Uh, and they're going to try to utilize it. And it also avoids the politics that you got to deal with with the players unions because now they can't even say anything when you're dealing with government mandates or government requirements because the government can't be beaten in this obviously society. And the NBA is just taking advantage of a little loophole. Any of these players in Brooklyn and in New York with the Knicks and in San Francisco immune to those policies. I got to do it. You got to do it. And they do too and guess what a lot of these arenas remember they're on public grounds some of them are private yeah. buildings but some of them are public grounds so you got to obey by the public requirements and this requirement says you got to show a vaccination card to get in to watch the game and also to get into play i saw espn report vaccinated and unvaccinated players won't even be allowed to sit next to each other in locker rooms or on planes or and they yeah. may have to take separate buses i mean it's not all final yet but it seems like players could have very different experiences this season oh man so LeBron is running out of a uh, runway here because he can't sit out when he goes to Brooklyn. He can't go sit out when he goes to Madison Square Garden. No, no, he, you can't he do can't, that. He can't sit out when he goes to Golden State. These are marquee games. These are these are the ones they sell the ads around, right? Um, uh, now, so hold on a second. Do you think that he actually has a conscience that you know he doesn't want to lie about it because he feels that you know people will 
mimic him or or I mean <clears throat> LeBron James or whoever's around LeBron James has good timing uh, timing on where the public stands and when I mean the public the black public quote unquote black public right and it's like you can't jump out this window and be pro vaccine because that's gonna like I said that's gonna split your following I mean, we're seeing it's splitting people, and it's not. It's, no, it's not splitting relationships, Mo. It's splitting families. It's it's very, very, very sick. Right, and so what LeBron thought he was going to be able to dip, dive, and dive, and mm-hmm. say, "Hey, you know, ah, uh, it's a it's a personal, you know, yeah. This is a guy that comes out and lets everybody know he spends six million dollars on his body every year. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying to get into shape. So, I, I mean, from that standpoint, if I just want to say, be genuine. If he if he's genuine, I understand it. Who wants to put something experimental in your body that you've honed, you know what I'm saying, to be a, a fine, fine-tuned machine? Right. So, just on the surface level. Exactly. But then <clears throat> what he doesn't do is what you suggested, you know, get some saline or whatever and do the do the Nancy Pelosi bent needle. Or that was uh, uh, Vice President Harris. <laughs> right. <laughs> the bent pla- needle plastic cap. Why wouldn't he do that? Because he really because can't. He, would- he, he doesn't want to be dishonest? No, he doesn't want to divide the herd. His own herd, you mean? Yes. Mm. I mean, because in his herd, I mean, yeah. if you just take it down the split, yeah, it yeah, could be yeah, a 30, yeah. 70, 60, 40. What do, you, what do you think it is? What do you think? I would probably say it's somewhere between 70, 30, 60, 40. Um, pro, uh, I mean, pro, pro, pro being low? Being a, uh, no, high. High? Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just giving him the benefit sure, of the doubt, like, sure. uh, like a lot of his followers are woke. But in, mm. in, in, inside that, it's, you know, it's, it, he, he doesn't want to divide his herd, period. Um, and it just puts him in a weird spot. And, he, and he's telling them, like, hey, like, this is bad from the brand. But they're like, hey, this is bigger than your brand. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> this is way bigger than your brand. So I, I'm so happy you told me about this because I had no idea this was playing. I mean, a little bit. Because it really doesn't seep through unless you're really into NBA. I guess you have to be watching ESPN. Otherwise, well, no, 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 no. That's why I led the clip off. That was CBS Los Angeles, a little 24 minute, excuse me, 24 second clip. All right. That was on their, yeah, on their you're YouTube right. page. You're right. You're right. So you're it's right. like, why of a sudden, why is LeBron ah. James vaccination status a big deal? Mm-hmm. Uh, when you start seeing it seep into mainstream news. Yeah. Well, now I got my eyes know, on it. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it's like, how far will they go to, um, are they willing to risk, you know, detonating their, like one of their number one assets? You know, on the on the altar of of, of vaccines. How long and, do you think it, he has until he has to say something? Well, the first game, because whatever. No, I mean, what oh, I mean, yeah. the first game, the first game with a mandate, and it's like, yeah. at that point, now he might go there and like just let it blow on. But they're not going to let it, even when he does show up for the game and he is vaccinated. Going to make a big deal out of it. They got to. And yeah. If, he, if he's not vaccinated, then he won't play. So which 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 is, game which game do we have our eyes on? I'm going to get the schedule. <laughs> and I'll be letting you know um, whichever one shows up in New York first or either San Francisco next Golden State. Now, how do I how do I how, are, how do I play the spread on Vax not Vax? <laughs> I wish that was one. Um, <laughs> said he who doesn't know under, shit about sports or sports betting. <laughs> you don't need to know crap about sports to bet sports. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Uh, it's all about the odds. Yeah. Um. So that's the first block. All right, I like and, that. Very good. <laughs> All right, so the second block was pertinent to the first block, and let's go ahead and get into the uh, ISO. Henrietta Lacks. 
this <laughs> black woman that got eaten alive by cancer in one week. Oh, yeah. I heard about this story. Tina was telling me this. She just told me that today. Awesome. Uh, the reason why I say awesome is <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, because I mean it is. I mean, I mean that by the literal definition of the word because they've had her under wraps. See, they'll oh. talk about now. This answers your question: Why do they talk about Tuskegee? Mm-hmm. Tuskegee is men. Yes. Yeah, well, they they killed some men with syphilis. Ah, uh, they you know whatever. Yeah, whatever. You know, they have gangbangers, whatever. Right, but if you say Henrietta Lacks. And the story behind her, a black woman being used, experimented on, you know, or whatever, uh, I mean, whatever the narrative is, uh-huh. that that hits a whole different way across of my body, my choice, yeah. across a lot of these narratives. And they've tried to keep this under wraps. And um, what we're going to do is get into her story. And I think a good place to start is the official trailer from HBO about her or more immortal life. For years, it seemed like a dream. About our mother, could this be true? What you don't understand is, we didn't know nothing about nothing. Scientists had been trying to get cells to grow outside of the human body, but they would always die. Until Henrietta's cells came along. I want to write a book about your mother. Go Gila, go Gila. That's my mother. Hope I don't regret this. Everyone's saying Henrietta Lacks donated themselves. She didn't donate nothing. They took them and didn't ask. The hospital is guilty. Somebody's going to pay. God wanna have a disease cure. He provide one for himself. I don't know, Rebecca. I'm not doing anything behind your back. Henrietta helped develop the AIDS cocktail. Chemotherapy treatments. It's hard not to get caught up in hope when you've been powerless for so long. I know I'm a part of you, and you're a part of me. Okay, I've, I've looked so her up relax. in the meantime. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So this is the Gila cells, and I don't know if you know much about it, but they they label her as the mother of modern modern medicine because her cells not only do they grow outside of the uh, the body. They were they replicate every twenty four hours, so this opened right. up a yeah, they're, lot. They're, of, they're used in medical research today, I guess, they're ongoing because they they uh, they can keep making new new cells. AIDS, I mean AIDS, HIV, cancer, even the the uh, COVID nineteen vaccine is part of healing. And it's like, why are you not uh, celebrating this woman? Huh. Because if you talk about her story, you had to talk about how she was robbed of her cells. This is why they want to talk about um, Tuskegee instead of uh, Henrietta Lacks. Oh, and of course. And otherwise, how would I have ever heard about her? <laughs> well, <laughs> got to have that, the MoFax to let me know what's going on. All right, let's go ahead and get into number 15. What I got to say about that is, hallelujah. Finally, 
somebody want to talk about my mama. Oprah Winfrey plays the daughter of Henrietta Lacks, the woman who transformed modern medicine and had no idea. To this day, many have never heard her name. I started asking people, do you know, have you ever heard of Henrietta Lacks ever? No one had. So Something I Winfrey is now determined to change. Myself. The significance of what her cells have meant, I think the world needs to know that. And now they will. Lax was a young mother of five who died of cervical cancer in 1951 at Johns Hopkins, where doctors found her unique and aggressive cancer cells were the first to grow in a lab. Henrietta never gave doctors permission to use her cells, and her family was never told. We didn't know nothing about nothing. Like nothing they'd seen before, those cells, shortened to HeLa instead of Henrietta's full name, were used to test the polio vaccine, develop in vitro fertilization, and drugs used to fight cancer, just to name a few. Her daughter Deborah and author Rebecca Skloot finally uncovered the truth. But Deborah died just before Skloot's book was published. I refuse to cry with you, Kristen, <laughs> but I could when I think about Deborah, how eager she was to know about her mother and to have this story told. Henrietta's cells were reproduced in labs around the world and millions of dollars changed hands. Becca showed me the papers where he wanted to use her name, but the lawyers didn't and want Hopkins to. Hopkins made all that money off of our mother. Hopkins ain't made a dime. Oh, okay. I just, <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> head exploding i you know in the 80s i was involved in so much uh, aids charity raising that's how i know fauci that a-hole he was always around all the big parties hanging out Uh um you know i i have my own thoughts we've discussed them privately i think publicly that i think it was really act that was the biggest problem a fauci uh uh, invention very much like like remdesivir so anyway in all those years knowing having read many books Never heard of Henrietta Lacks. And you haven't heard her name brought up with COVID yet. Why is that? This should be a selling point. The black lady that saved the world with this, you know, saying her cells that was able to make this vaccine. That would be the selling point. But you know what? Then we got to talk about her and John. Ah, that's Hopkins, the problem. Mm-hmm. How they stole her cells, how she was experimenting on basically. And then this more, creates more distrust. Which this is why they can't use her as an This asset. is the story I wanted. This is the new Tuskegee story. This is the Tuskegee times a hundred. You Gosh. wait. You wait until we go all the way down this, this rabbit is, hole. Now I see a, a, an article in the Hindustan Times. Uh-huh. <laughs> of course. Hello, India. <laughs> yeah, Henrietta Lack cells were used to carry out research for the first polio vaccine, first in vitro fertilization for cancer, and most recently for studying the effects of SARS. Uh, cov mm-hmm. replication in the human body. The, right, in, that's the top hit. I, I, Hindustan <laughs> Times, way to go, American <laughs> media. <laughs> but it's this by oh, when I when we see stuff that's missing, that speaks louder than the things that are there because it's like, why is this big? I mean, this if if they didn't take the sales in the way they did. She would be celebrated as, like I said, as black girl magic. This is, I mean, oh, this, this is the black lady that saved the world. But they can't do it because then it brings up more questions about experimentation on, on black people. And it's, it's fascinating that they've suppressed this. And I'm looking at the timeline 
this this uh official trailer was created in 2017. Is it like did they create Oprah to spin this? Because you heard her say in the clip, oh Johns Hopkins didn't do nothing. Like Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> well, and this was from when? This was from this oh, 2017. Right. Are you talking about the, when it happened? It happened in 1950. No, no, no. The, the Oprah, the Oprah thing. That's 20, 2017. That's 2017. Okay. Yeah, and what what at Hopkins? I mean, now you can fill me in because you, you you're uh you've been on top of the whole COVID thing. The 201 thing out of Hopkins. Event 201. Yeah. Right. So that planning is this part of it? Of well, it, it was certainly it. certainly around the time they were planning it. I mean, right. He said, oh, yeah. Right, let's take it slow. You've given me, yeah, yeah, we definitely, it's like, like, uh, pump the brakes a bit, Mo. I mean, it's like my head's spinning here. This is something I've never heard of. Well, let's listen to 16, let your head start spinning, and we'll come back <laughs> on the backside of the clip. Johns Hopkins says it did not profit. The family got nothing. But for the next generation, there is a new mission now. You can't help but be proud of what is done. So when you think about that, it's like, okay, something bad happened, but something so much good has come from it. David Lax now sits on a board at the National Institutes of Health, helping to decide just what Henrietta's gene sequence is used for. Huh. And I think we ought to think of the Lax family as some of the greatest philanthropists in medicine of all time. They speak around the country, urging doctors to never forget the patient behind the Petri dish. She was a woman, she was black with limited education, limited finances, and look what she has done for the world. Rebecca Skloot has set up a foundation for the Laxes and others who've contributed to science without their consent. If anyone had taken just a few minutes to listen to her and ask, answer her questions, it would have changed the whole story for her, for her family. A family now taking back its history. I think uh, what we're trying to say is that her life really mattered. A legacy, just like Henrietta Sells, living on. Kristen Dahlgren, NBC News, Los Angeles. Again, all 2017, I guess. Yes, and yeah. this is this is the Crump effect, right? When when you see these people tragically tragically killed, um, they bring in you know the Crump, and I think Crump is maybe involved in this family. You might can fact check me on the fly, but um, this is the effect, right? You bring it in, make the family you know. Well, we we forgive John Hopkins, and in the movie you say they didn't do any Johns Hopkins. Let me correct that. Um, they didn't do anything really. They didn't you know. They didn't profit from it. It's that that word profit. Yeah, crump, like, crumps in, crumps in. You nailed it. You nailed it. There you have it. It's the crump effect. Yeah. It's, it's tragedy happens. He comes in, smooth the waters. And this is an article. Board. An article from yeah. July thirty first, twenty twenty one. Now nah, the bag wasn't big enough. Dang. Because they said millions. And when they say, oh, no, you can't be one of the biggest philanthropists. I can't even say that word. Philanthropists. Um, <laughs> it's a toughie. Yeah, thank you, sir. I uh, got a lot of real estate with these lips moving around. but um, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know, Mo. I've never seen you. You're the, the, the mystical, lips and the receptors, man. Mystical we, we, figure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I'm sure he's like millions. You know, Crump's ears probably perked up. We're talking billions here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And so the bag wasn't big enough, so the family's probably coming at the John Hopkins. So wow, 
but it gets deeper. Um, <laughs> but wait, there's much more. There's there's much more. So we have this is from John Hopkins, uh, Johns Hopkins Medicine uh, YouTube pe- uh, page, and this is uh, Henrietta Lacks, her impact and our outreach. At the center of the Henrietta Lacks story are people asking questions. For people trying to understand the biology of human cells, it's it's there for bioethicists, for patients. This is why Johns Hopkins is committed to outreach and education for all the community. It's a labor of love. We all feel like we're connected to this beautiful woman um, who we call the mother of medicine. It really makes you think about how powerful an impact one person unknowingly could make. I would say that Henrietta is probably, if not the most important, certainly one of the most important women in science and medicine. And we all learn and follow Henrietta Lacks' legacy as we contribute to research and medicine. Henrietta Lacks was a 31-year-old woman admitted to Johns Hopkins in 1951 for the diagnosis and treatment of cervical cancer. Unfortunately, she had a very aggressive cancer, and within a year, she had died. As part of the care she received at Johns Hopkins, the cells from her cervix were brought into a laboratory and cultured and have become the first human living cell line, which has allowed us to learn remarkable things about how human cells function. Yeah, when this whole, when this crump thing uh, propped up, I think this is when they uh, started posting these videos on their website and on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And care. It's like, what kind of care did you give her? You you stole her cells or cultured this. That's what they want to say. Oh, they. I mean, we cultured her cells, but they're still her her body. I mean, like she can never rest in peace. I mean, I mean, if you want to think about it in that way. No, I mean it's uh, <clears throat> it's although not exactly the same. It's like you can't just uh, be printing up T-shirts with Elvis on it. Correct. It's not exactly and, and, the same, but uh, I think it's even more egregious. Uh, but we, uh, I don't know if there's likeness, any likeness. I mean, I mean, yeah, I just don't know if there's the, any law. Yeah. I don't know what the law the law is about that. There should be for sure. Screw that. And what and what idiots? Thing, what idiots? John Hopkins should be like. Oh, here's a check. Be quiet. They, I think they tried, but oh. when you're talking them terms well, of millions. When you get when you we, get crump on the scene, that's right. The bag expands. <laughs> The bag has to be much bigger, and that's the thing. The, the family was playing along in 2017, right, but, with the movie but and everything. Now they're yeah. looking now, and they're like, "Hold on, Grandma was part of COVID, the COVID vaccine." Well, no, I, I think it's different. This is. Oh, wait a minute. Look at this guy. What he did for George Floyd's family. You know, mm-hmm. and, you, you know, just saying about the money, like in the news, they're like this is a billion dollar industry. Yeah, oh, this yeah is of the course. Billion- yeah, and they're like, "What? Whoa, wait, 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 wait!" And y'all gave us, you know, whatever the amount was, fill in the blank. I don't know what it was. Or you know, or positions, or praise, or you know, right? This board um, uh, advisory board position. I think right. I heard. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, of course, the, when you see Crump, now that's one thing about Crump. It's about the money. I mean, he's coming for the for the moolah. So I, that's another thing that we. That's why I said I can never do a full show on any of these because the story's unfinished. But these are kind of things that we need to keep our eye on. Yeah. Of will they use her as a topic or not? So. Uh, same thing with LeBron's situation. So now we have Rebecca Sleuth 
Scooth? Scloot. I think it's Scloot. Uh, Scloot? 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 Which, this is the... This is Democracy Now, Democracy Now, and uh, The Immortal Life. As we continue our conversation with Rebecca Skloot, the author of the best-selling book, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, we're doing the story today because this week, Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore, Maryland, has just named a building after Henrietta Lacks. Oh. Um, she, they were there with the Lacks family, members of the Lacks family. And today we're going to talk about a woman who you may have never heard of, or maybe you just heard about her name because this book has been on the bestseller list for so many years, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. Rebecca, it's great to have you stay with us. Can you talk about how you discovered the story? Yeah, um, I learned about the cells when I was 16 in a basic biology class. Um, most people do. My teacher, you know, he talked about the HeLa cells and all the amazing things they'd done for science. And then he happened to know her name. Most people actually at that point in time knew her as Helen Lane, which was a fake name basically that was put out um, connected to the cells. And he wrote Henry Lacks on the board in big letters and just said she was a black woman and that was it. And I went up to him after class and I was like, what else do we know about her? And did she have any kids? And what do they think about all this? And he just said, sorry, no one knows anything. And I just became obsessed with this question of who this woman was and what, you know, what happened um, and why we didn't know. It seemed so and you were in high kind school. of inconceivable to me. Interesting. There was an alias out there. Yeah. They, they, they knock offs. It's like uh, <laughs> Helen Lane. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's right. instead of uh, uh, Chanel, it says Channel. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. So these were knockoffs. <laughs> I mean, they were. They, yeah, were, they got these cells on Canal Street. But that's so that's so disgusting. Like they knew they you don't lie about that. If <laughs> no, you did, feel like you did anything wrong. They oh my goodness, this is this is a this is a scandal. And another point is we're coming up right on the seventy year anniversary. I'm sure Crump's looking at it there as well. Like hey, say her I, name, say her name, right? Say her, say her name, Henrietta um, Lacks. I'm sure you're going to want to do something from the Henry, Henrietta Lacks building. You you don't want me to have my uh, goons out there, you know? Yeah, and and Al's people joining us. They're noisy. Yeah. So I mean, that, this is a very volatile situation uh, for how they play this because this only stokes the fire. If Crump Crump knows where he has them because he's like, you're trying to convince black people. Tuskegee's kind of blowing over. And then this story blows up on a 70, 70th year anniversary. Oh, man. How you basically stole this woman. And it's sales. a woman. And it's a woman. And a black woman. Oh. Oh, and- this is so good, Mo. Wow. This is, I, thanks, man. I love you for this. This is great. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you appreciate this. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, this is excellent. These people are so evil. <laughs> 19. <laughs> well, talk about the history of medical experimentation in the black community, for example. And I, you had to do a lot of work and research uh, for your remarkable book, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. For example, the, tux, the Tuskegee experiment. Yeah, there's there's a long history of black people being used in research without their consent in this country. Um, and one of the most famous examples of that is the Tuskegee syphilis studies, um, though it had been happening in the slavery era, um, you know, and beyond. And the Tuskegee studies were sort of one of the most unethical things I think that's probably happened in science in the United States. Um, uh, hundreds of black men were essentially studied. They had syphilis and 
they were studied to watch how syphilis killed you from infection to death, and they weren't offered treatment even when treatment was available. So at a certain point, you could have cured this with antibiotics, and they weren't given the option and didn't know um, that they were part of this experiment. And so it wasn't. An, it was at the end of that. Um, there was actually you know a lot of press surrounding that, um, and it did a tremendous amount of damage to trust within sort of you know black communities when it comes to science and medical you know getting medical care. Um, so that's just one in a long line of, of sort of stories in history. And Henrietta's story, ha, you know, has been that within certain areas where people know about her, like in East Baltimore around Hopkins. It's sort of been oral history um, passed through black communities as part of why it's hard to trust science. Mm. Oh, nice little tag there. Hard to trust science. Uh-huh. And, and as she says, Baltimore a.k.a. the Black Butterflies, what it's called, because they have this slim uh, section of white neighborhoods, and then outside of it, it's blackness on I'm saying on both sides of Baltimore. Uh, so this was kind of known in the area, locally. Like, yeah, Hopkins, yeah, they, they experiment on you. Uh, and wow. we saw this the same thing with Grady down in Atlanta, right? Shady Grady. Yeah. Which he had a... Uh-huh. He had a <laughs> A very suspect past. It's like all of these hospitals are named after uh, or have histories that, that are problematic, yeah. to, use, to use a term. Uh, my, my my mouth is hanging open right now. And and, <laughs> and please tell me this all stems from me bitching about the Tuskegee story that you 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 decide to to to, to check out another rabbit hole. Y- yeah, or like, kind of like fell in fell in your lap. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. What happens is. When you ask me a question, I give you a short answer, but then if I can give you a longer answer, maybe the producers have the same question. So it's like, let me go ahead and address this. And then with the LeBron thing, it just fed in like, you know, oh, no, that's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, this but, is fantastic. It's very interesting. And and uh, the only the only sad thing is this interview is Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. She's like the kiss of death for stories. Like once you're on Democracy Now!, it's like you're going nowhere. Yeah, it's like we covered it. It's that kind of thing. Right? It's like, <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? It. What do you mean it wasn't on PBS? Look over here, Democracy Now. Yeah, right. So I mean, and 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 like I said, to tie the two together, they t- I didn't do this. They tied Tuskegee with yeah, yeah, the last. Yeah, was, that was but a then good they one. T- then they try to sauce you it though. Like in certain areas, it's it's the same, but it's not like Tuskegee. So I mean, that, that this is damage control and um, like uh, we don't want to piss off the people at Hopkins, right? But we have to. Kind of, it's like a limited hangout is the perfect time. Oh, sure, like, sure. So, um, let's go ahead and get into part three. Yeah, so Henrietta, one of the most amazing things to me about this moment is Henrietta actually knew there was something wrong. She just sort of sensed it, and she um, actually found this tumor herself Um on, right on the outside of her cervix and went to went to Hopkins um, and just sort of went in and said, I have this lump and I you need to it needs to be looked at. And in that moment, you know, this she went to Hopkins because it was the only place where she could go as a black woman. This was the era of segregation. So there was colored wards and, you know, the white wards in hospitals. And most places wouldn't actually didn't have a colored ward. So she couldn't even go. And the thinking at the time was sort of, you know, the people who ended up in what they referred to as the public ward were either black or they were poor and they couldn't afford care. And the thinking was, well, we're giving you free medical care as payment. We get to do whatever we want with you, essentially. And so there was a lot of research that was conducted in these wards that people didn't know about at the time. 
Um, and so Henrietta showed up. They, she ended up going under anesthetic to get this biopsy of her cervix. And that's when the doctor just took a little extra piece and um, put that in a, a dish and sent it to George Guy, who was you know, the head of tissue culture research and had been trying to grow cells for decades. And what happened then? And then he never died. Um, yeah, so her cells... And he, most cells died? They'd been able to keep cells alive... Pardon, no, well, so they'd been able to keep cells alive for maybe 24 hours in the, in the past, but hers just, not only did they not die, but they began doubling their numbers every 24 hours. So they just grew with this incredible intensity that no one had ever seen before. Like a cash machine. It's a, it's a popular phrase. I don't know if it's just solely in the black community, but we don't die, we multiply. This is literally that. Like you can't kill us. You know, you take, the, you take us out, take her cells out, um, and they won't die. And not only don't they don't die, but they grow with this tremendous, you know, uh, um, amount of vigor. Mm. It's, it's, it's amazing. And it's like, the sad thing is we should be celebrating it, uh, this woman for her. And like, like I said, they, she's the mother of modern medicine because a lot of things couldn't happen. But the fact that it was done under such, um, shady, you know, uh, you know, I hear this and, 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 you know, okay. yeah, we can't trust science because of this. And then mm-hmm. I, my mind immediately goes to uh, the poorest neighborhoods in America where Planned Parenthood is uh, is uh, is based. Who the hell and knows now, what they're you, doing? Who the hell knows what's going on? And now you see why not only Tuskegee, but free health care in general. Or, or when black people went and got health care, it's like, well, you know, they're going to take something. Like, I mean, why they're in there? They, you know, they, they, and that built the distrust between the medical. They're talking about it's a distrust between doctors and black people. They, I mean, there's a real distrust there because history. One, all you have is a knife or a pill for me. Uh, and then you hear these stories. Um, Shady Grady in Atlanta. I mean, in, in Atlanta, yeah, you hear Hopkins in Baltimore, and I'm sure every major city has a hospital that oh, yeah. if you go in, you ain't coming out. Yeah. I mean, but that's the narrative with the ventilators now, right? Mm-hmm. If you go in and you ain't coming out, it's like that's the narrative. And welcome to the bottom. No, we've been bouncing around here for a while, Mo. It's recognized. <laughs> no, I'm just saying you've 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 been like it's you've latched on to the bottom now. It's, yeah, yeah, it's it's becoming firm that. Uh, it's not race anymore. It's just your status, and and if you don't want to take it, then you're on the bottom. And at, as you heard her say that, you know, um, that makes me wonder. Like, if you give me this think this stuff for free, what comes along with it? They always you know take something. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you so, know, just as as an aside to that, I was mm-hmm. watching um, an Israeli talk show. Uh, well, it was a, a clip from it which was um, subtitled and. It was so funny. The people are outraged because now they're learning that Israel was really a giant laboratory for Pfizer. And, and I think it wasn't that obvious. It was, so, you know, it was like it was the only one you could get. It was, and everyone was talking about it that way. And now all of a sudden people are like, hey, wait a minute. We were used as a giant experiment, as a giant Petri dish. Well, speaking of Israel, we got to go back to show 29. And this is clip number 21. 
For several years, the Israeli government was forcibly administering birth control to a segment of its minority population, with doctors injecting Ethiopian Jewish women against their will with a right. contraceptive, Deprovera. But it wasn't until this January that a government official finally acknowledged it. And while the government has finally put an end to this inhumane, insane population control tactic, the story has shed a light on a dangerous contraceptive that's now being pushed and administered on women of color all over the world, including right here in the U.S. So here to talk about the use of Deprovera and how this is targeting minority populations in both here and abroad, I'm joined now by Randy Short, president and national spokesperson for the Anti-Deprovera Clergy Coalition. Yeah, eugenics. You're right, pure eugenics. Right in the same place. The same place. Unbelievable. You know, I was reading, uh, actually it was part of my, my basketball uh, team ownership research. Okay. And, you know, the Nazis, uh, we all know about, Oper- we've talked about Operation Paperclip and how they brought right. over a whole bunch of the Nazis, including Werner von Braun. But in World War II, there were two brothers uh, uh, who had a, a legal firm and, and they uh, represented a lot of the U.S. companies who were doing business with the Nazis, IBM, um, General Motors. Is it Brown? Oh, not Ford. I'm sorry, Ford. Uh, no, Dulles. Okay. The Dulles, Dulles brothers. Oh. Of course, oh, well. <laughs> uh, and Alan Dullis went on to create the CIA. I, and it has an airport name for him right here in uh, D.C. So you know, he, he also was instrumental. Yeah, also instrumental in appointing uh, Hoover as uh, creating the FBI. I mean, it's to me, it's like it's a very it's an easy hop to say the Nazis, you know, they came in. They never left. They're still still up to their old tricks with the Schwarze. And now they're doing it to everybody. <laughs> That's the ultimate goal, right? I mean, that was the ultimate goal then, and they're persistent little buggers. Is is that <laughs> they don't stop? You know, it's, thank God. I you know, it must be the weed because I, I really, if I think about this too much, you know, I just need to go to sleep at night. <laughs> it's just, uh, I, it's it's so, it's almost so it's so obvious what's what probably is going on here that you don't want to believe it. And that's the crazy part. It's like, but you have to, that's why we discuss this in gallows humor and laugh about it. Of course. Because you have to mock it. That's the only, only only way to break the spells. We got to mock it. Right. So speaking of which, now we get to get into the history of Johns Hopkins Mm -hmm. and his influence on, and how is it, how his influence haunts Baltimore. Welcome to the real news. I'm Jessel Noor. Johns Hopkins, a renowned institution of higher education and medicine. Its name is synonymous with Baltimore, where it serves as the largest private employer. Its technological and medical breakthroughs routinely make the news. But recently, Hopkins has grabbed headlines for a different reason. It's found itself the target of protests by community members, students, and its own workers who say it's harming the very people it's supposed to serve. They point to Hopkins' own legacy in a city that remains haunted by inequality, racism, and segregation. Well, joining us in our studio today is a leading expert on these topics, Antero Piatella. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. So let's start with who Johns Hopkins was and why he decided to, uh, you know, 
fund a hospital and a university, which at the time would his, his idea at the time this was in the 19th century was to make uh, create institutions that would serve everybody, including African Americans. And uh, you know, so talk about who he was and why he decided to do that. Well, Johns Hopkins was a direct descendant of William the Conqueror, the Duke from Normandy who overran England in 1066. And so his folks, they came from Wales in England, and there were two brothers who went to Rhode Island, and, and four other brothers, they came to the Baltimore area, and two of them then ended up in today's Crofton in Anne Arundel County, where they received several hundred acres of tobacco land from the King of England. So he was, he was uh, a notable person to begin with, came from notable family. Mm-hmm. White privilege. <laughs> Just, just so happens he had bloodlines back to William, William the Conqueror. The Conqueror. Right? <laughs> what so do you know? I mean, what do you know? What do you know? But, but you know, so just for people that don't know who William the Conqueror is, are you familiar with him? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Much I, about I am him. actually because of my European schooling. So the the I, I, I figured you were. That's why I, I, I want you. To, I'm gonna lean on you on this one. But let's get everybody caught up with uh, who William the Conqueror is. William of Normandy, known as the Conqueror, arrived on the Channel Coast from France in 1066. It has become the one date every English schoolchild knows. As a contemporary writer noted, in this year came William out of Normandy. King Harold came to oppose him and fought most resolutely. And there was great slaughter on both sides. The Battle of Hastings was fought here, at a town named Battle, on the south coast of England. Harold, the Saxon king, was slain with an arrow through his eye on this ridge, where William later built an abbey to celebrate his victory. England was overcome by force of arms for the last time, and the country had new rulers with very new ideas of how to keep their subjects in order. <laughs> William's first act on landing at Pevensey was to erect a wooden fort within the old Roman walls, standing on the site of the present castle. He quickly followed it with one of the best-known buildings in the world, the Tower of London. Standing on the banks of the Thames, nothing like it had been seen before. The White Tower, built with stone brought from Normandy, dominated the early London skyline and the minds of those that saw it. This was a potent symbol of the new order. In short, <laughs> it was a castle. Oh, our, uh, J.H. really comes from good stock, huh? <laughs> How convenient. I mean, they erecting huge buildings, you know, that, that dominate the people's... It's the same thing with John, Johns Hopkins Hospital now in the middle of these poor Baltimore neighborhoods, right? You have this huge building. Am I reaching? Am I Space Jam reaching here? Just let me know. I mean, no, you are. And uh, <laughs> and the reason why I know a little bit about this is because uh, I still have my stamp book. Although my mm -hmm. although I, I think I sold my my penny black, which was probably worth some good money now. Um, and I collected British stamps as a fourteen year old, and I have a uh, first edition. You know, like, um, what do you call that? Like, uh, the first day it's, it comes out, I forgot even what the name is. Um, 
and you, you get a little block and it was the battle of hastings it had all the whole story of the battle of hastings all as one stamp block mm-hmm. and uh so that that rings true <laughs> the story's <laughs> true i have the stamps to prove it i got receipts to, to bring in a new order <laughs> to Is bring that in, what oh yeah of course to bring in the new order Are you kidding me I, I don't make this stuff up i mean no <laughs> Uh, so let's get back to uh, John's the Conqueror. But segregation soon followed because Baltimore was in the midst of a major racial change. Uh, in 1899 was the turning point when Democrats came back to power in Baltimore under the slogan, this is a white man's city. So yeah. all this was reflected in the admission policies of the uh, hospital, which continued to uh, uh, treat uh, black patients, but, but now in separate wards. In your book, you do an incredible job of detailing how the leadership of Hopkins, this elite group of people that controlled Hopkins, also um, played critical roles in Baltimore City and in, in its leadership as well. Yes. Uh, talk about how Hopkins, uh, you talk about how it was bankrupt at one time, how it grew in prominence, and who some of these key figures were in shaping its, its history and its rise. Well, the first, uh, both the university and the hospital, they were governed by separate boards with lots of overlap. And the initial board members were nominated by Hopkins himself. And then afterwards, the connection to Hopkins and his thinking disappeared. And so what we have, particularly, there are two interesting uh, developments in the history of the Hopkins complex. And one of them is that that, uh, Hopkins uh, president and uh, head of the university trustees, they played a major role in in, uh, fostering residential segregation in Baltimore. One day, one day, we're all going to wake up and we're going to realize who the real racists are. Democrats take over, push segregation, uh, and experimentation on on black people. Now, I got to give John's uh, a little. You're saying be, we always humanize here. Um, they just kind of hijacked his name now, right? It's the oh, brain. of course, of course. And but it's the mentality of superiority, um, or and that you're poor. You need uh, medical help. Your body is the only commodity you have. Let's swap. You know, I'll give you help now in the short term if you let me you know, have a piece of you, you know what I'm saying, down the line. And and that's... <laughs> it's an old story, man. It's an old story in many different versions. And, and people wonder why there's distrust. Trust me, when people went into those hospitals, like I know this being from a small town in North Carolina, it's like when you go in, you don't come out right. You know, I mean that's just and this is it's a, it's fascinating to hear people lose trust in the medical system in the way that it does. But this I is mean, okay. So you're telling you're giving me new information. I mean this yeah, is I, this is new from our conversation. This this I mean yeah, this, this experimentation. Yeah. I mean this is a, this this is mind blowing. I thought I knew pretty much everything about every kind of story, particularly of something of this magnitude. But this, they they kept this from my from from my view. This is unbelievable. Yeah, and it's not like they people would know what happened to them. Like, oh, they took this out. No, but you just knew you weren't yourself when you came. I mean, like, you only go to the hospital if you have to. That's like you know, like like uh, well, I'm weighing my odds here, and it's. 
uh, I, I, I got to go, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like you knew that they did something to you, but that that distrust is built in. So I think we stopped at 24. I yeah. guess we can get into 25. All right. Uh, Hopkins is an interesting story in the sense that what I do in my book, I go through the ethnic uh, 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 rotations in those neighborhoods. And the pattern was uh, the area around Hopkins initially was largely German. Then, then it became Irish. Then it became largely Jewish. And, and then African Americans, for various reasons, began uh, moving to that area. Now, now, today there is lots of controversy about Hopkins and, and its uh, uh, remaking of that neighborhood, which is seen as gentrification. And this is East Baltimore. This is in East Baltimore. And my point in the book is that gentrification, really, in terms of Hopkins, is largely a misnomer because those neighborhoods before the urban changes and racial changes reached the hospital area, those uh, those uh, neighborhoods, they were not poor by any means. So what I see happening in East Baltimore today, instead of gentrification, really is regentrification, trying to recreate neighborhoods that are financially solvent and and can uh, sustain uh, various neighborhood activities and keep it in, in good shape. And you, uh, in your book, you write that in 1970, the hospital's director of planning wrote, quote, a hostile black community constantly reminded of past expansion limits future enlargement of the site. The characteristics of the neighborhood make the area uncongenial for employees, staffs, and students. Hold on a second. Uh-huh. <laughs> so now did they... Did they have a hand in this to expand? I mean, obviously, uh, we, we know what the ultimate goal was, but... What, what what happens is they want to expand... And they just need to make the neighborhood crap so they can tear it down. Correct. And that's what we're seeing. What I believe we're seeing... Everywhere. Now. Everywhere. Right. East Austin. Right. Everywhere. But you see these memes of videos... Hello, The Wire. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> you ride down... The, you see this... It's, it's a meme that's going around now of a uh, a street in Philadelphia where like a guy's kind of riding in the car and he has like the fixed camera and he's catching all like these zombie like yeah, yeah, yeah uh, sure of course yeah drug addicts yeah this is how they justify mass incarceration see this is plan uh what's the word uh obsolescence of people of people <laughs> you take out the serious people serious people moving to you know like people from California, they're going to Austin or New York's going to Florida, all these things. All you leave now is the crime-ridden cities. And it's like, well, somebody got to come in and clean it up, right? I mean, that's I mean, it's the only the right thing to do. Welcome, and Larry then, Elder. Right, you drive down the property value with all the drug addicts, the drugs, the fentanyl, the uh, the car fentanyl, and everything else. And guess what? Now you come in and buy it up pennies on the dollar. Well, clean out the this drug is, addicts. You know what? Here's it pisses me off. This is the this is what we initially connected on when I was talking about uh, on no agenda. Nipsey was, hustle. Yeah, about yeah. Nipsey Hustle, and I, I'd kind of seen this happen. And then you know, after I seen the wire. By the way, God bless Omar. They got Omar. Yep, that sucks. Um, it's you know, going back to Jay Z, going back to you know the the, the Brooklyn Stadium. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. all the same story. 
we saw the same thing in New York, the same thing. And I think um, we're, I think we're seeing, I think we're seeing it in Austin. You know, East Austin is, 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 we had, we had to leave. Now it's not, it wasn't that horrible, but it was really just around the corner. Huh? (laughs) You know, it's coming. I mean, you could read the tea leaves. Like I did. Yeah. yeah. I did. Down the street is, yeah. It's people getting cars getting broken to every night down the street. It's, Maybe time to move before they move up the block. Breaking in, you, there's a, a killing every night. We've had 60 in Austin this year, all time record. But that's allowed to happen. Yes, to drive down the property value. So when you come to buy it, in, this is what happened in Hopkins with the wire and everything else. So, but, but just that, that, don't believe me and you. Let's listen to clip number four. And that takes me to my next question, uh, the relationship between Hopkins and the local black residents in East Baltimore. Um, you know, you talk about uh, and the relationship of medical institutions in general. You talk about um, from doctors to robbing graves. Um, you have a section in your book about that, which is really fascinating. Um, you, you talk about how Hopkins was known as the plantation. And, you know, there's also... Um, People like uh, Henrietta Lacks, who whose uh, genetic material was harvested by Hopkins without her consent, as well. That that's true, and and so uh, one one of the uh, Hopkins presidents once said that Hopkins is a is is not a good neighbor, and all this has come to play in East Baltimore, where. People remember the days when uh, 1,200, uh, the homes of 1,200 black people were dis- demolished in order for Hopkins to construct a dormitory housing 200 white nurses and, and doctors. So there is lots of distrust toward the Hopkins. And in the recent controversies that we soon talk about, all this has come to play. Everything that Hopkins has done in, in the past, all its crimes have, have been uh, mentioned. Henrietta Lacks, uh, experiments with lead paint, all kinds of other stuff. Uh, they tore down the towers. Yeah. If you're listening on a podcasting 2.0 compatible app, you know what to do. Boost. You got to boost that. Oh they tore down the towers, just like in the wire. It's, it's, yes, it's, it's, it's exactly the same. And the reason why I know this relationship, because it's a strange relationship, because he started out saying that Hopkins is the number one employer, I think, in Baltimore, maybe in Maryland. I can't recall, but I'll just, let's just say Baltimore. Mm-hmm. The reason why I know this is I'm from Durham. Duke is the same way. Right. So it's like, you know, these things happen like with Duke and the hospital and these kind of things. But at the same time, they, a lot of people eat from them, literally like nurses, sure. housekeeping, these, you were saying these, uh, these types of jobs. So it's this weird relationship that it has with the, with the neighborhood or, you know, uh, and, and and the people that live in them. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just keep on going, Mo. I, I got nothing. This is no, this is great. This is this is like the best. It's like finding a gem on Netflix. You know, it's like holy crap. I never, it's like when I watched that that damn octopus documentary with the guy living with an octopus for a year. That's how good this is. It's like octopus <laughs> level good. <clears throat> so now. Caution, people! Caution! Oh boy! Trigger warning: If we have one, we're, we're about to get some pure uncut AJ here. <clears throat> this is Alex Jones, and I'm going to play you the full clip that I took the snippet from concerning Henry Lacks. And I found 
the former Pfizer employee who heads up the project for the main level four bioweapons lab in London, England, that we'll be telling you about. And I watched seven or eight of his videos and then read, scanned over dozens of his papers. And by the time I was done, my jaw was on the ground and it went right back to Henrietta Lacks that we told you about. This black woman that got eaten alive by cancer in one week and they cut her uterus out, stole it. And it's the basis of all human cloning, everything today. The cells won't die. They have factories all over the world that just create her cells. And I already knew all this, but my God, I didn't know they cloned her in 1966. They spliced her with mice in 1966. <laughs> I mean, we, uh, I, I mean, folks, you've seen the thing where it like jumps on things and eats them. That's, that's what ate her. And they even say they don't believe it's human, doesn't have our genome, doesn't have our chromosomes. And they call it another species in debate whether what was in her uterus is an alien. I'm going to show you Wikipedia, and then I'm going to show you the actual documents. Now, this little feller right here, because let me tell you, I'm not going to pretend to know exactly what they're doing, but let's just say this. It's world-ending, baby. They're putting Henrietta Lacks cells in you. I love Alex. <laughs> he always gives you something to think about. And, man, he's he's been pretty damn close on a lot of things. What? Was it, I, I need to have, I got questions. Mm -hmm. Was it an alien? Like, <clears throat> seriously, like, they're not telling us something here. These genes, these, excuse me, these cells just grow like nobody's been, and I know I'm being tongue-in-cheek when I say alien, but what is it? Because that makes me ask, what are you putting in me or trying to put in me? You know, these are real, I mean, I'd I say this, like I said, we use gallows humor here, but it's based on a real question of, if you have such a great product, tell me what it is. Well, now, let's just be clear. I'm not 100% sure that her cells are being put into any vaccine. Uh, her cells are being used to develop a vaccine. Uh, no, I, I could wait, be wrong. Wait. I don't know. No, what I'm saying is we, we're talking just in generalities here of because nobody knows. I mean, Somebody even, knows like, something. What, what I mean, even if some a doctor sat down and explained it to me, I still wouldn't know. You, you see what I'm saying? But the narrative is why are you hiding this lady from us, which she's a American hero. I mean, if you tell a story, but it's like, no, you don't want to tell a story because then you have to tell the whole story. So it's like, oh, well, you know, they play this weird game of like, she's so great, but we can't talk about her. Because of the, uh, well, okay, so what you're, what you're uh, your hypothesis here is that the, uh, well, we can't really talk about her because John, this is the controversial, that, that um, that's kind of covering up something even more sinister. It, it, it creates more questions than it. For sure it answers. does. For sure it does. And when questions come in, doubts come in. And when doubts come in, I'm more reluctant not to go along with it. What's interesting is, is this the same story Tina was telling me about and she just read a headline? And I don't know. I mean, I'm curious. I mean, because I haven't seen it, her, her name come up anywhere. No, Tina said, oh, did you hear about the woman who, who uh, got cancer and seven days later she was dead? And I said, no, that's horrible. And 
And she said, and I said, well, what about? She said, no, nah, I just, I, I've been reading. She, she admits right away, I didn't really read it. But mm-hmm. I think this this story must be uh, maybe because of uh, Alex. This isn't a recent Alex Jones episode. Yes. No, so that's why it's probably out there. So it's floating around if it's reaching us. It's floating. <laughs> but Tina's deep, it's man. Floating. She's 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 the keeper goes deep and wide. So I don't know. I don't know where she's picked that up. Shout out to the keeper. Yeah, oh yeah, um, oh yeah. But as he said, and like I said, I'm taking his. When you say stuff like that, like she had an alien in her uterus, it makes it like very dismissible. But I understand why he does that because it makes headlines and it gets the word out there. If you sit there with a PowerPoint and boring, and like you bore people to death. So it's like, let me look this up. You know what I'm saying? It's alien or uterus kind of thing. But well, this is not thing, this is not foreign to Alex. I mean, I, th- this he's been saying this. My God, for 25 years they've been growing babies and cows. <laughs> so, right. so he's he's been kind of on tracking that, you know. Right. So. He did say that they're growing factories, is growing her sales all around the world. I believe well, that. Well, let's go uh, over to Dr. Oz and real healer sales. And go ahead. Wow. Is that really her? That's her. There are millions of Henrietta cells in there. Wow. Wow. <laughs> like in the movie, when she has it, she goes. She's cold. That's right. <laughs> this is warm. This is th- so. These are the real cells. Just grew them. We wow. we did not even have the Just real cells fresh. in the movie, Doctor Oz. <laughs> this is fantastic. You're all saving us. That is fantastic. The guys at New York Medical College drew these for us. Come on uh, over here. I actually put some under the microscope. I want you to see them with your own eyes. Rose, go ahead and take a look. Yes. Don't poke your eyes out. Look Rose, this is just like in the movie. Oh my yes. Goodness, it is. She looks like a journalist scientist now, doesn't she? Wow. Wow. And wow. we're going to put them up in the big monitor. This is just like in the movies. I know, isn't it great? So, you guys go ahead and look. And when Rose is done, Oprah, take a look. Gorgeous. And everybody else, this is what Oprah's seeing back here. Gorgeous. She's seeing all the cells. Wow. And you see the little black dotted ones? The little black dots are the nucleus. That's 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 actually her DNA, Henrietta's DNA. Oh, my DNA. gosh, that is fascinating. Right. And then the, the gray stuff is the cells. Cool. That's that is so cool. cool. I know. Stop. Yes. done it, Dr. Oz. <laughs> that is good. Tell it again. It'd be cool if everyone at home. Hey, I, I have the cool. author. Rebecca Scoot here. We're looking at the cells. Have you you've seen them before, I've right? I've seen the cells. Okay. <laughs> Many times. Oh, let, let, let's hold a little bit of... Yes, here, yes, you sit right there, Dr. Okay. Here. okay. I, 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 I have never held the actual cells in my hand. Yeah, they're yours. Wow. Don't drop them. You know, there's... You old- get a healer. You get a healer. Yeah. You get a healer. And everybody in the crowd takes some healer home. Like, seriously? Y'all peddling human... Remains. I mean, I hate to say it. I mean, I know I'm being hyperbolic here, but what I'm just saying is for Oprah to be on television and we say about women, you know, whatever about, you know, people's bodies and their rights and whatever. And y'all are just telling Henrietta Lacks around like, oh, take some home with you. Oh, we just fresh grew them like the tomatoes, you know, fresh from the farm to the table. Like what? I thought that's the most disgusting clip. Out of all I've got <laughs> so far, um, yeah, for, it frustrates me. For it's years, they've been talking about the eugenicists actually want to make superhumans. You, you got to mm-hmm. wonder. You got to wonder. You know, is, is Henrietta Lacks, will that, maybe that uh, uh, can make people self-regenerate? 
I don't. I, I say I don't. Who know the heck where knows? <laughs> Who the heck knows? But uh, wow, yeah. And and this Once was, again, put it put it on the board. We're watching. Yes, we're watching. This is fascinating. I can't watch anything else now. I'm going to be scouring the webs. I've got to find more about this. What's happening right now? This is good. Well, what we don't do is peddle in uh, Gila sales. So uh, we got to thank producers. And yes. This would, think this would be a good time to do it. First, the white man and the black man have to be able to sit down at the same table. The white man has to feel free to speak his mind without hurting the feelings of that Negro. And the so-called Negro has to feel free to speak his mind without hurting the feelings of the white man. Then they can bring the issues that are under the rug out on top of the table and take an intelligent approach to get the problem solved. That's the only way that they'll ever do it. Yeah, and that's exactly what we're doing here at MoFax with Adam Curry. And we are uh, back on our schedule and glad to see that people are supporting uh, the show, we've got the, the producers out in full force. Uh, this is value for value. It's the only way this will ever work. None of the, this is, this, this would be a very dangerous show to have advertiser. We'd be, we'd be without advertisers one way or the other. Because we that, wouldn't that, have made it out the first block. <laughs> a block and you're Follow done. And you're done. That's right. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, those guys. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Let me just give them a little call. Make sure they understand what's going on. So uh, to uh, to make sure we are immune from the boule phone, we do it value for value. And you can support us uh, through uh, PayPal and Cash App and a number of ways if you go to mofundme.com. And, of course, you always want to take a look at mofax.com. Uh, everything's out on there. And uh, mm-hmm. if you're using a podcasting 2.0 compatible app, you can boost us. And I think uh, we now have the boostergrams hooked up. So you can also send a message along with that. Um, and to find an app for that, go to newpodcastapps.com. But for now, we're going to kick it off with our uh, executive producers for episode number 66. We start right off with... Paula, shot caller, 20-inch blades on the Impala. $280 from Emily Andrews, the big baller for today's show. Uh, she write quite a note, but it's it's a nice one that I, I'm happy to share with everybody. Uh, Mo and Adam, thank you so much for the work the past two years. Sorry for the long note, but I feel like the background to help you understand where I'm coming from and the impact your conversations has had on me. I believe your podcast single-handedly saved me from menticide, which anything with the word side in it and we're saving you from it, <laughs> I'm happy to say that. I've seen this term cropping up. So we need to keep on. We need to put that. Yes. On the, in the fact, I, I think I, I discussed it on no agenda a few, mm-hmm. a few weeks back. Menticide, indeed. She continues. I'm a white woman who grew up in a suburb of the Dallas, Texas area. I can honestly say that growing up race really wasn't something I noticed, but it wasn't because I didn't learn history. I learned about slavery starting in the first grade. I learned about Jim Crow and the civil rights movement in the third grade. I lived in a middle class neighborhood with all colors and religions. Race seemed irrelevant in the modern era, and I didn't even associate it with different cultures. People were American unless they told me otherwise. When I went off to college at the University of of Texas, I was totally blindsided by the idea that racism was still such an issue for people. I didn't even know stereotypes like black people are criminals or they like fried chicken or they're bad at school because I wasn't in a culture that demonstrated that or even mentioned it as a thing. And of course, being from the South myself, fried chicken was a staple food and everyone likes fried chicken. Even more baffling to me was the people who were loudly lambasting the fact that these stereotypes existed would turn around and act like they were reality. Moving to Seattle, Washington, it was even worse. The people complaining about redlining the most would often uh, lament the property value reduction when black people moved into their neighborhood. They would talk about how it was just black culture 
to not want to excel in schools and not to have fathers in the house, (laughs) which I knew wasn't true from my experience in the South. They would complain about gentrification and white flight in the same conversation. It was troubling, but I finally came to the conclusion that the cities and the Northerners were still suffering from racism and weren't integrated yet. I wasn't sure why or what to do other than to love the people where they were and help them move to less racist ideology. But my heart finally broke when the George Floyd race riots broke out. It seemed like all the childhood friends I loved dearly saw my skin color before my character. People I treated like my siblings suddenly accused me of being a white supremacist because I was scared to have people rioting outside the hospital while I was there for preterm label with twins at 28 weeks. Seems like the America from my childhood was finally dead and my children would never experience it. A co-worker of mine, I I love this note, by the way, this is like this... (laughs) A coworker of mine pointed me to your podcast, and honestly, it's been a huge relief to know that my observations about these people aren't just in my head. I feel like this huge weight has been lifted, and I have so much more understanding about what's going on with my black brothers and sisters. Hearing the clips about Malcolm X in particular has opened my eyes about how even what I consider to be a decently accurate historical education may have misframed what was going on. It's given me hope that we can someday come together as Americans. I had a couple of questions. First, what resources would you recommend to learn more about Malcolm X? I've tried to find some of his speeches online, but they really aren't accessible. Are there books that would be good for someone who wants to at least supplement the education of the public school system, if not homeschooled? I was thinking about creating some sort of civil rights curriculum that integrates your work, but I don't want to steal your pancake mix, so let me know if that's cool. If I were to monetize, I would like to offer 50-50, but I'm I'm not sure I want to monetize just yet since this would be for social good. Mo, uh, the great best resource is YouTube. To be honest with you, I mean they people have pieced together all his uh, most of, his, of the clips that are remaining. Um, and for book wise, I always just stick with the Alex Haley version, even though we know Alex Haley was, um, I hate to use the word like this, but maybe compromised in a way to tamper down some of uh Malcolm's uh rhetoric. Um, so yeah, those are two be my two main sources. Um, because when you read his clip, when you read his quotes, they don't hit the same way as when you hear them. Oh, I, to- I totally agree <laughs> with that. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, uh, um, the middle school teacher friend of ours was over and, uh, you know, she's very progressive and that's cool. Cause we're friends. Uh, but I, I asked her, I said, uh, there was something about, uh, you know, the, the she was all hot and bothered about, uh, you know, some some trial balloon that has the teachers convinced that there's going to be law against teaching critical race theory and they won't be able to talk about Frederick Douglass. I mean, seriously. So they, they, this, they've been convinced of this. And I say, and I just in talking to her, I said, how about Malcolm X? You know, what do you think of Malcolm X? She said, yeah, yeah. It's okay, you know, have you ever read any Malcolm X? Or Yeah, a little bit. I liked him a lot better after he became Nation of Islam because he was so anti-American before that. No, no, I think that, what she meant was when he left the Nation of Islam. No, I asked her three times. Really? Yes. Yes. You liked him before, I mean, like, you know who he was? Like, he was Malcolm Detroit Red before he joined the Nation, so... Tell me, Maybe she's... I, I don't know. always wants to come out. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, I continue. Second, what do you envision a fully healed America to look like? Is it like the America of the childhood I grew up in? Does it look like something else? Well, uh, for my podcast, I mean, like (laughs) where you can talk to people, but 
you're not obligated to talk to people if you don't want to. I'm, I think the forcedness of it is ruining everything. Like, oh, I got to check these boxes, right? I got to make sure I have the right set mixture of friends. And, oh, we need, you know, it's uh, gravitate to people that you're comfortable with. I mean, it seemed like your neighborhood was that way. Uh, and if, I guess, I just, I don't know. It's just, I, I think I think it's completely the opposite. I think it's a complete illusion that we're so divided. Um, it's all on Twitter. It's all on television. Uh, go out to the county fair, you know, go to a concert, go to a comedy show even. I mean, yeah, not everyone likes every single joke, but I think it's, it's we have much more, so many more ways of communicating this podcast as an example. I think mm-hmm. it's actually a lot more in our heads than we know. And we're just being told it, you know, it's almost like manifesting it. Well, that's the thing. People, I mean, you use the word illusion, and that's mm-hmm. another word for magic. Yes. Right? I mean, yep. <laughs> you, yeah. that was your word, not mine. Yep. So the people feel the spell. Um, So we have to figure out how we like, make the spell null and void, and then we'll get back to where we need to be at. Um, Third, she asks, mm-hmm. a lot for a big baller, but big baller's a big baller. You talk yeah, a lot about the that. gender war. Do you have some suggestions for things women could be doing to support good men? If you need a white woman millennial for the gender bender mo- mofax, I'm happy to stand in, though perhaps with a pseudonym. Uh, the, n- the number one thing women can do is support other women. We're fine. I mean, like, men, right. we're fine. It's women when they want to speak up for what they like in men are the ones that shame. So, so stick up for your sister. Also, is there any way we could get most podcasts set up the same way Podcast 2.0 Infrastructure is the No Agenda podcast? I'd love to get some chapters uh, set up of the older episodes. Well, all the uh, for a number, I don't know how many, at least 10 or 15 have chapters, which uh, Dreb Scott does. Mm-hmm. Um, going back is actually something you can do. Uh, Emily, if you get the Hypercatcher app, uh, it's in the App Store, and, and uh, oh, I think it's only iPhone. Um, then you can uh, set uh, chapters uh, with images and with uh, with comments as suggestions. So you could do that for any older show you'd want to do that for, and you can do it while you're listening. So that would be really cool. And other people can help as well. Anybody can help with that, actually. Yes. <laughs> Go find uh, Dreb at podcastindex.social. Uh, and uh, to wind it up here for Emily, uh, she says, please give me a D dead beating. Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. And she'd like some good decision-making karma. She's considering quitting her job to become a stay-at-home mom with three uh, young boys. Well, she asked her own question, what she could do for me. (laughs) There you go. Be a mom. Best thing you can do right there. Here's your karma. Thank you very much. You've got Mo Karma. As she ends your sister in Christ. Thank you very much, Emily. Uh, Then we have a, uh, I guess this is a make good. good, um, And and I'll say this. We did not miss you, John. Uh, This is on uh, Cash App. Your I, I pulled the spreadsheet every time, and your donations were not on the last spreadsheet for some odd reason. I don't know why, but I mean, like I said, we're still going to bump you up to the top. But Jack Dorsey hates not, you, John. Yeah, this wasn't an omission <laughs> uh, on our part. <laughs> so we were very conscious of that last show, right? So we sure. so and we got so we money. got two here. We got sixty five uh, for episode sixty five and sixty six as he comes in again uh, for episode 66 today. So we got you there, John. We really appreciate it. Uh, Madeline Riley, 
another executive producer. I love the show. $200 she sent. Found y'all when Adam was on higher side chats. Skipped around to listen to a few episodes, but I'm now start, starting with the first one and I'm somewhere in the middle. It's very interesting to go back and listen to the shows that are more about current events, Biden, Chinese virus, etc., and compare to what actually happened. Well, sitting on my patio listening to the show, I was trying to decide how much I wanted to donate. I looked up and saw a hummingbird two feet away from me. That has never happened. A few minutes later, I see the largest butterfly I've ever seen. As I grab my phone to start the donation process, the time is one eleven. Crazy. <laughs> Sorry for the long message. Appreciate your work. <laughs> yes, it's called synchronicity. Thank you very much, Madeline. And uh, uh, messenger butter, uh, messenger uh, hummingbirds work. I told you, Adam, they will work. <laughs> I love that. I think I think the hummingbird isn't even really even a bird. I think it's a it's an insect. Really? Yeah, I think so. Don't ruin that for me. <laughs> no, it could be a bird for you. I have tons of them out here. So yeah, I, we I, we have one here too. And Tina's really happy because she planted this new thing with the pink flowers or purple flowers, mm-hmm. and then now the hummingbirds are on it. Um, Judy Sigsby. Also $200. Hi, Mo. Really enjoyed your live stream last night. There you go. Look forward to catching more of those as they happen. Your sharing is a beautiful part of this amazing journey I'm on. After years of challenges, I divorced in 2017 after 35 years and have grown so much from all of the change. God, or whatever we name it, keeps bringing wonderful teachers into my world, and I'm so very grateful. I appreciate your openness and hard work, and this is just a down payment. Best of wishes to you and your sweet family. Isn't that nice? Can I ask people to do one thing? I, I, I know people don't watch it on YouTube, but go and comment and like the videos because what it does is it tricks the algorithm to bring more people in. Um, and then we can siphon them off of YouTube. That's the whole. <laughs> that's the whole point. Is yeah, help help us siphon it, siphon it off of YouTube, please. That's, that's exactly one. what we're trying to do. We're taking we're taking them off to, to pod, podcasting two point and we got to get them in. I got to get them in the loop first. <laughs> we're very close to the live streaming podcast apps. I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of smart people, a lot smarter than me, working on it. Um, okay, uh, we've got uh, our last executive producer, Brian Moss. Uh, $100 addition to the mandate fund. <laughs> okay. Yes. The mandate fund indeed. Thank you very much. Uh, then associate executive producer Jonathan Peckham 6669 says, Love is lit. Thanks for all you do. Triple goat woosa karma. I think we can do that. Woosa. You've got Mo Karma. Christopher Belsky, 6633. Hey, Mo and Adam, first an overdue de-douching is in order. Well, you know what we do here is we deadbeat. So uh, we're going to uh, give you a de-deadbeating. Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. I started listening after Adam mentioned the show during his appearance on the Higher Side Chats in January. Wow, that really worked. Like that show... Your deconstruction of the dark forces and symbolism hiding behind the shiny veneer of public figures and events has been invaluable in transforming the way I see this brave new world of ours. Looking forward to enjoying the show on the new schedule and we'll hit some more people in the mouth in order to see it continue to grow. I see how much work goes into each episode and personally think that it deserves donation segments at least as robust as no agenda. You're here. Thanks for everything you do. Some mo jobs and relationship karma would be greatly appreciated. 
we don't, uh, we don't have an actual jobs karma, do we? I, I, we don't, but we... But we, we, but we wish you jobs. We wish you yeah. good jobs karma <laughs> with this one. You've got... <laughs> Mo karma. That stuff does work, though, when everyone talks about it. Uh, Chris Bailey, $66. His note, thank you, gentlemen. And we thank you, Chris Bailey. Uh, occult fan, Sir Nathan Lee. Uh, and I'm going to edit a little bit of his note. He sent us a long note. Sir Nathan Lee says, Hey, Moan Adam, congratulations on running such an excellent show. And by the way, I have a lot of contact with Sir Nathan. He's a very interesting guy. You want to talk oh, spells? He always had value. <laughs> yeah, if you want to talk spells, he's your man. Yeah. Your work is part of what will be helping heal our world moving forward. There's an American revolution coming. The astrological work of Molly McCord is worth taking the time to learn from. Find Molly McCord's The Upcoming American Revolution playlist on YouTube to learn more. Take notes and take your time. Just listen to what... I'm, you subscribe? Mm-hmm. Just listen to what I she's... Did, I did from this note. I did. Cool. Just listen to see what she says, if anything you're not familiar with. Uh, astrology. But before we go further, for fans of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, both heroes Bilbo and Frodo are born in the books and then the films are born on September 22nd. This is often when Libra begins, which is one of four cardinal points. In this case, the fall equinox. It's also my birthday. So even though it's next Wednesday on a noon show Wednesday, which is Mercury, or non-show Wednesday, which is Mercury. There's no such thing as a non-show Wednesday. Hint, hint. I hear what you say. That's right. Exactly. There's always a show on some Wednesdays. Um, okay, Wednesday, which is Mercury. Yes, Mercury, the god of art, commerce, and communication, whose color is orange. I would like a biscuit for my twenty second. Uh, I'm twenty September twenty two birthday. I'm turning thirty seven. Woosa! And please give a shout out to my man, Joey J. I'll take some Mo Karma for the LP I'm working on. If uh, I weren't busy enough, I just started my show, Six of Swords. That one's back up. So Mo, so I want a, uh, a Wusa, please. GBG onwards. Uh, great work, gentlemen. I'm impressed. And more so, I'm grateful. Sir Nathan Lee. They always give me a biscuit on my birthday. I'll throw in a goat for you, man. <laughs> and a karma. Why not? <laughs> You've got... Mo Comer. 66 from Clay Wilson. Uh, Mo, he says, the quality of the show just keeps improving, and 65 was a particularly great episode. Woo saws for everyone. Hopefully, quick question, have you seen the HBO series Lovecraft Country? Have you? I have not. not I did to- not watch it, but now I'm have to go back and watch it. Well, of due course. Due to the tragic loss of Michael Williams. Uh... Not to give away the whole plot, but it revolves around an ADOS man in 1950s America who discovers he is the last male line of an ancient magical bloodline, and the efforts and the efforts of two competing covens, covens uh, attempt to sacrifice him to control his power. Beyond broadcasting many of the themes you have alluded to in many episodes, it is genuinely worth uh, a watch and quite entertaining, if not a little distressing. It also features the new, sadly, now late Michael K. Williams, a.k.a. Omar of the Wire. If you made it that far, look into what was planned from the showrunners for the now canceled season. Go podcasting. <laughs> yes, thank you. Here's a Rusa for everybody. Rusa. Now I'm going to have to watch that, too. <laughs> I got to watch this. Uh, this uh, I got to watch this 2017 movie from Oprah. 
gonna be busy. It's gonna be super busy. Yeah, if time that in small doses, I'm telling it's you, small it's small doses because you know, I mean, the trauma based entertainment. You yes, have, you have to take it in small it, doses. It, it can hurt the amygdala. That's true. Yep. That's absolutely true. Um, Edwin Torres, fifty five. GBG give blacks guns. I forgot to request deadbeat on my first day nation, and can I have a biscuit for my birthday on nine twenty eight? You bet. They always give me a biscuit on my birthday. Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. Krista Hart, uh, associate executive producer, $50. We thank you, Chris. Summer Norris, $50. Mo is the professor I wish I'd had in my African-American lit class, circa late 90s, Washington State University. Fascinating dive into the history of Cosby. I loved it, too. It was so good. Ramon Johnson, $50, our final uh, executive associate uh, associate executive producer for episode number 66 with $50. And uh, Ramon says, why not be honest with people about pop control? Are we not this, honest this about whole it? Show. <laughs> this the whole show was about population did, did, control. What show were you listening to, Ramon? <laughs> yeah, hmm. That's the whole point of everything. I mean, we said not that in quench. one of the earlier, uh, earlier shows that that's all roads lead to population control i mean it's kind of like the maybe we don't talk about it enough but it's like understood uh yeah i think it's been it's been a continuing theme throughout everything yeah right it's like kind of like people like why don't you do a show on oprah it's like she because she comes up in almost every almost everything by the way do you you know that the the cnn uh doctor lady who's you know who's always who's now always on saying oh you know make them have a, a vaccine passport to go on airplanes and trains the, the and you don't lady? have the right do you know do you know who she is lena way no, no she she was the uh form she's the former uh, ceo of planned parenthood oh yeah i didn't know that yeah, yeah. i mean yeah case in point Just i mean <laughs> put the eugenesis right out in front with this one maybe because we say eugenesis people don't like link that the population control but well, just go yeah. look at uh, the population bomb. This is, uh, it's the same people. Some of them are still around today with the climate change hoopla. They've mm-hmm. always been, the, they being the elites, have always complained about having too many people. Oh, oh it's going to get out of control. Oh, what are we going to do? Oh. And, and that's the core of the eugenicists. And then we got the Nazis we brought in, apparently, and they're still doing cool experiments. It's a great time to <laughs> like be said, alive. Yeah, we don't talk about it in name, but this the whole spirit of what's going it's on. Pretty much here. it. Pretty, pretty, they, pretty want much. they want us dead, folks. You know, one way or another. Well, um, thank you very much to these executive producers and associate executive producers of episode number 66 of Mo Facts with Adam Curry. We'll be thanking some more people in another segment coming up. But right now, let's get back to the show. So, uh, Ramon wanted some population control. So, 30. China tried to ship enough fentanyl into the United States to kill everybody in the U.S.? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with that. Yeah. Well, sadly, it killed one of our favorite people, yep. Omar, yep. Uh, Michael K. Williams. Uh, and so we have to talk about it because since you're a newly minted Wire uh, fan, which I think the Wire could have it on, on like, uh, what's it called? Cosplay or Comic-Con? Like, you... That show is popular enough where you could probably have that. You know, but Oh yeah. Because when people like everybody said, Oh, Omar Omar died. Omar died. Like I was like, What? Who Omar? I mean they raised you like, Oh, Omar. And it's like, so 
Oh they, yeah, I mean, it, it, I I immediately knew it because I just yeah. just fresh from watching, so that's why. I was like, oh man, it, that's that's sucks. sad. Like you just you know made everybody aware that you had finished the wire last yeah. show, and yeah. now this. So, well, we got to talk about it. So let's go ahead and get into thirty one. Well, more now on the breaking news we've been following tonight. The death of actor Michael K. Williams. He was found dead inside his apartment in Brooklyn. And Eyewitness News reporter Lucy Yang is live outside his apartment in Williamsburg now with more. Lucy. Well, David, family, friends, co-stars, and fans are reeling from the death of Michael Kenneth Williams today. We're in Williamsburg in front of the luxury condo where officials confirm the 54-year-old actor was found inside his penthouse apartment by a nephew around 2 o'clock this afternoon. Officials report there was drug paraphernalia around his body. The ME is on site right now and will determine if this was a drug overdose. His body has not yet been removed from his apartment. The Brooklyn-born actor grew up in NYCHA housing in East Flatbush. He went on to win critical acclaim for his many roles, including for his portrayal of Omar Little in the HBO hit series, The Wire, a gritty show set in the drug-dealing underworld of New York City. It may have been a little too close to reality if drugs did play a role in the actor's death. HBO just a few minutes ago released a statement mourning the loss of their HBO family member of more than 20 years. Michael K. Williams was 54 years old. New York City? <laughs> yeah. Get a rope. No, she said it. the wire was based in New York City. Oh, she said that? Oh, crap. Oh, what an idiot. Baltimore. You got one job. You what? had one <laughs> job. Get the obituary right, lady. That's the only reason I use this clip. I'm like, what? How did you get that wrong? Because she was confused with Brooklyn and all that. I know, but just still. That's how they get everything wrong. It's always wrong. You know, I just. I to speak to. General observation, general macro observation. Um, Mm -hmm. With the knowledge that uh, the CIA most likely has always been running the drugs out of Afghanistan, the poppies, or or processed or not, whatever. See Denzel Washington, an American gangster. True story. Right. Uh, Afghanistan, that whole thing blew up and we pulled out. And the next day, we've got uh, people dying from fentanyl. Or at least the stories are showing up in the news. Yeah, I mean, they've been dying since 2016. I know, but they've dying from fentanyl, not from heroin. And it just, it's, it's like it ratcheted up. It's like, whoa, did the CIA supply really, truly get shut off? Do they have no way to bring it in anymore? And therefore, it's all fentanyl? I mean, or is it, as Alex says, it's truly a, uh, an attack? Uh, the Chinese, they, they probably are still pissed off over the opium wars, even though that was the Brits, but okay. Well, we had to back up a little bit because we talked about plant opalescence, right? That you have to send it, like with heroin, it takes so long. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, and I say that like so morbidly, but the leaks look like, God, we gotta wait for him to die. Yeah, like really? like Skid Row, like Skid Row. That's where you see. Right, it's like we don't want death. that. You know, we need some hardcore something, one hitter uh, that's gonna kill him, and something that we can put into every drug. Because just from my research, Michael K. K. Williams' drug that he struggled with was cocaine. 
yeah. not heroin. And yeah. they said drug paraphernalia, so that makes you think like he had stems and not excuse me, spoons and spikes and a belt and those kind of things all around him, right? So he 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 never all the, all the clips I've looked through, he never mentioned anything about using heroin yes there's a known a known fact that this is now popping up in cocaine in particular in in brooklyn and weed in weed yes okay now you have my attention no i'm serious i'm serious like it's i actually posted it on my um on my twitter page that it's i mean like with anything they sprinkle anything on weed right they were doing the same thing with uh like lsd not lsd but um pcp um you know for a while they were doing that and they were doing uh embalming fluid for a while i mean if you got trash weed and you got to move it why not you know sprinkle something on it and this is why i brought this story up and we're not you're saying fentanyl yeah car fentanyl Car- Are you aware of that? No. Car- it's car fentanyl. It's like the. It's like the. Uh, it's like I think maybe a hundred times stronger than fentanyl. Uh, it's like the methane of natural gas. Right. Jeez. This stuff is taking people. Out. I mean, like no, I know, I know, like- I know. I you know, I even uh, uh, sent right. a, a message to my stepdaughter. She's in New York. You know, she's twenty four. I said, "Hey, just don't be an idiot." Right, because you don't know what you're, and that's the thing about it. It's not like before. I mean, like they're pressing up pills, and it's what 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 I think happened is even if you cut it, it's so such a small dose that you can't separate. It's saying like if you get like a little clump, just think about it like with seasoning your food. If you're saying like you get a little clump of like a strong seasoning when you bite into one bite, you're dead. Oh no, I know. It, it, there's been cops who have just been around it, and they and they almost die. Right, and so I think with him, when they said drug paraphernalia, I don't think, like I said, I never everything he talked about was cocaine. So what's really going on here? But as we talked about before, I think they're they're cleaning up the streets. And I mean, this is, <laughs> that's the way to do it. Cr- it's it's crazy, and especially if you're thinking about it with the how Baltimore you need to get the people. And the sad thing about it is, the addicts are gonna chase it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. If they if they make it through it, they'll want it. Yeah, I mean, if somebody died, and like that was the one of the running things on wire, right? When they somebody had a good package, somebody died, overdose. All the rest of the uh, the addicts were looking for that package. Yeah, I'm just looking at some. Uh some news stories here. It's been going on for about a year and a half or two years, it looks like. What's that, car fentanyl? Uh, it just says fentanyl just on the, on the search. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I think this misnomer, I don't know why they're not using the proper term for it, because they're, they're two totally different substances. And it's called... Where everybody just... Yeah. I, I didn't know that. Car fentanyl? I think it's not to have the T in it, though. It's like car fentanyl without the T. Okay, I'll have to look into it. But yeah, it's 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 like ten or a hundred times stronger than fentanyl, which well, is mm. bad enough in itself. Yeah, I mean, like, so what are we doing here? And and like, um, yeah. So I want to get into <clears throat> it's a backstory here with uh, Michael K. Williams that, that you no know, supersedes his uh, like drug use. 
Um, let's get into where we're at. Let's get into 32. And this is Michael K. Williams' death leaves painful void. How many times have you been arrested as an adult, Mr. Little? Sure, I don't know. count. He was a tour de force on screen. And the guy that put my gun on those citizens. You are a moral. You are a parasite who leeches off Just like you, the culture man. of drugs. Excuse me? What? I got the shotgun. You got the briefcase. It's on the game, though, right? Known for playing what many would go on to call the greatest character on television ever. Omar Little from The Wire. A man got to have a code. Michael K. Williams, the beloved actor and performer from East Flatbush, Brooklyn, was found dead in his New York apartment on Monday afternoon. A family member discovered Williams dead. Drug paraphernalia was found in the home. While the cause of his death is still unknown, the NYPD is investigating it as a possible drug overdose. It's one of those things where you never expect someone who seems to be at the prime of their career to succumb to something like this. Williams, electrifying audiences with rousing and chilling performances as Chalky White in the period gangster series Boardwalk Empire. These here are my daddy tools. What are you going to do with them? Well, I ain't building no bookcase. Inmate Freddie Knight in The Night Of, and most recently as Montrose Freeman, the complicated, closeted father in Lovecraft Country. One of my favorite roles of his was the Boardwalk Empire. Boardwalk Empire with uh, as yeah, White. That, yeah, that was that was good. Yeah, everybody talks about it like the. I mean, of course, because that was his breakout. Yeah. But that was a great show, uh, and he had a very interesting role that he played in that um, in that period piece. Um, so this is just a backdrop. Once again, you hear drug paraphernalia. I don't know what they're doing with that. I mean, like, <clears throat> I mean. Why, why are they stressing the paraphernalia thing? It, what it does in my mind, it just paints the picture of like, they're trying to say it's like a heroin overdose because that's, that's just what, that's that's what my mind Yeah, that's to. certainly what, it, what you think about, yeah. Right, so I'm just, that's, that's what I'm saying with that. But So they're going to go on and speak more in part two about his, uh, his addiction and his uh, accolades. But it was that distinctive scar on his face that changed the trajectory of his entire career. You're not nearly as scary as I thought you were going to be. The actor telling Dan Harris in 2008 how he got it. You know, 25 years old, ballroom brawl, um, drinking and drugging, you know, out of my mind. It became this distinctive, defining characteristic of him. It sort of helped him create this balance between edge and tenderness and, you know, this hardened past, but a hope for a warmer future. And I will put a bullet in all y'all behind what happened right now. You heard? But it was his nuanced role as Omar Little in The Wire, a black, openly gay hustler that was unheard of in Hollywood, which cemented Williams' star power. As you told me, I'd be successful for playing an openly gay thug on television. I, I, I couldn't have seen this coming in a million years. Up until that point, so many people had never seen a black gay man on TV. 
And when they had seen them, it was in the guise of flamboyance and flightiness. But Omar Little, you know, on top of being this really, you know, sort of fascinating anti-hero, his sexuality became a part of his identity that couldn't be ignored. His portrayal of Little, so iconic, it garnered the attention of President Barack Obama. Omar's, by the way, my favorite character. What did you think when you heard Barack Obama said you were uh, his favorite character? You know, um, my first reaction about that was was based on my mother. To see the, the proudness of, in her face and her, to see how her eyes lit up made my day. Hmm. So you're going to hear like this Obama theme. Just listen for it. But um, I, I have to disagree with the uh, the gentleman's analysis that the gayness was a like a standout part of his character, which it wasn't in a way it was because it was shocking at the time, but they didn't make his character about being gay. Right. No, I mean, it was no, just no, normal. No, no right? more than, uh, than any of the other characters who were, who were uh, making out with women in the show it was, it was, right. it was not central to the, it might've been, it wasn't even central to the plot where there was some other things going on. You know, with the kid who was in jail, and then, uh, you know, the guy goes there and hooks up with his wife. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, it's, I, I saw that they were trying to, uh, rightfully so, paint him as a gay rights activist, in a way. I mean, when they were covering his death. Oh, uh, really? I thought... I thought just I thought a that, good actor, that's all I saw. I mean, that's what I saw, too, but, I mean, even when they brought him back around in the, uh, uh, what was it called, the one that we were suggested to watch, the Lovecraft, mm-hmm. he had to go back to playing a closeted gay character, so... The, right, um, right. Yeah. So, I just found it interesting that they took that angle, because that's what made The Wire so great, and in my opinion, the greatest television show ever... Because everybody was humanized. Yeah, shit it was, was real. It, it, yeah, it was like, okay, I know a person like that. Or, you know, that's believable. It wasn't just like shooting guns sideways and, <laughs> you know, all the stereotypical things that come along with not only being black, but being gay, right? Right, um, right, right. He was a man at the end of the day, um, which you, like he's not my words, his words, like you only saw black men as being flaming. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a first um, representation in that we saw like this. So, um, so now we get to go to your favorite guy, uh, uh, Ari. <laughs> You're supposed to say your buddy, your buddy Ari. He's yeah, a, your he, buddy Ari. He's a pal and, of the pod. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he talks to uh, Michael about his role on the wire. I gotta say, Omar's a great guy. <laughs> you know, I mean, no, I don't. I, that's, not, that's not an. That's not an endorsement. Uh, if you're making national news, exactly. <laughs> that is. That is not. That is not an endorsement. He, he is not my favorite person, <laughs> but he, he's a fascinating character. Right. So, and there's a real life. He's, there's a real life story. Gay, gay, uh, gay uh, gangster who only robs drug dealers and then gives back in a sort of a Robin Hood. What do you think about playing a character that made such an impression on on Barack Obama? It was um it was an eye opening experience. I, I, it for, for me the impact it had on me was um to say I was humbled was an, an, again an understatement. Mm-hmm. But um I wasn't living my best life when that happened. Really? What do you mean? I, I was um I was caught up in my own personal whirlwind. You know um the why was my breakout role. I did you know I didn't handle 
my, was handling my finances or that 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 stardom very well. Um, you know, people calling me Omar was having an effect on my psyche. Mm. You know, I wasn't using my platform the way I believe I'm beginning to do today to help further my community. Uh-huh. You know, when President Obama called me out, I basically, I had no knowledge of anything that was going on. I was one of those people that pretty much went to sleep when, when we elected him into office, and I stopped caring. Ah, thanks, Obama. So, uh, interesting. <laughs> It's this thing like, and then you would do it. I know. I just want there's a quick uh, aside. When black people have any contact with Obama, it's like so your Obama moment. Um, <laughs> how, how was, how was it? it? Yeah. What do you mean? How was it? I mean, it was all right. And and the fact that Obama didn't recognize Michael K. Williams, he recognized his character. But Ari's like, how does it feel? For Obama to recognize you, like seriously, tell me, Gush. It's like okay. I mean, like it's just weird. It's just this weird you. thing. You heard it. You heard it before, right? The same thing with Obama liked you. Mm-hmm. It's like that's like the stamp of approval or something. Oh, you, 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 that, you've been uh, you've been blessed. You've been touched by His Holiness. Right. It's kind of like what Oprah would say something about your product, right? Woo! It's like yeah, then everybody that. would run out and buy it. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing, but. That didn't last long, but I mean, I just found that weird that they would, they constantly did this in clips of like, like hey, talk about Obama. Talk about <laughs> Obama. It's, it's, I'm here to talk about my show or whatever. He was there to talk about uh, juvenile ju- justice and he had gotten get, uh, involved in, uh, I don't want to say politics. Well, politics, he was trying to get people to vote, but that was like their thing. Like, Omar, Omar can reach him. <laughs> it's like, oh, um, of course. I, I mean, Ari Melbourne is a political operative. Correct. So, so that's that's why they bring up, you know, it's, it's talking about Ari's boss. That's really what's going on. Yeah, by any means it's necessary that Ari, he'll bring, try to get you to, sure. to a certain point. But if we're going to talk wire, we got to talk wire. So this is just, since we talked about Baltimore in the last segment, I thought we had to tie Baltimore in with this because it, Baltimore was a character itself in the show, The Wire, right? I mean, <laughs> the city itself of course, was an actual yeah. character. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is probably one of the best supporting actors or supporting characters for the size of the role he had in, in any television show was Clay Davis. Damn, y'all not wasting any time, huh? I know Reese was good enough to let us stage in the council sweetly inaugurations. No doubt after you'll find showing in the general. No doubt. 81%? 82 in a city where Democrats outnumber Republicans nine to one. Anything less would have been an embarrassment. So, what can we do for you, Senator? Well, uh, first of all, I wanted to clear the air. Uh, if there are any hard feelings over what happened during the primary, you're gonna uh, give the money back, <laughs> <laughs> Senator. It's been a very long day. I'll cut to the chase. I understand you have a problem at the top of the police department. You asked Burrell to resign. He declined. I'm looking for a replacement. The ministers like Burrell. So does the council president. We're confident that when we identify a suitable candidate, Ms. Campbell and the ministers will see the wisdom of new leadership. So if y'all need to get a pay raise through the city council, 
pay raise would help. I can ask Norris about that pay raise getting passed. Maybe convince some of the ministers they need to move on from Burrell. <laughs> the situation would have to be resolved sooner rather than later. Do my best, partner. And what do we do for you in return? I'm in Annapolis. Word I'm hearing, you may be there too in a couple of years. We may find ourselves working together closely. Thanks for your time. Jesus Christ. He's slick. Apologizes for the short con and in the next breath setting us up for the law. He and Morell are thick as thieves. And do we know what the long con is? At least we know he's running one. She. One of the greatest catchphrases from a television show as well. But yeah. this clip just like embody what the wire was about. The ministers and the politicians and the streets and how they all interconnected in this little old Baltimore. Um to be a major city is small. Um, but that's that was the greatness of the show. But I have this clip that I found when I was doing the Henrietta Lack segment <laughs> from uh Antario Patella on actually how Baltimore worked in this way. I wanted to, I, one of the other uh, really fascinating things in your book, um, you talk about the history of policing in Baltimore. And um, you, you, you've said, you told me before the interview that you sort of see some parallels today. We might be under a new age of surveillance, um, you know, that if it's not already started today. And, and I think one of the most fascinating things in your book, you talk about how um, the, the, so the Baltimore chapter of the Black Panther Party was actually started as part of a COINTELPRO operation, um, which is run by the FBI, to uh, sort of uh, sort of infiltrate the national chapter, which was based in Chicago and in Oakland. Right, and and so so what happened was that an army veteran who had joined the National Security Agency, which had uh, built a new headquarters near Baltimore, was sent here to to create a Black Panther Party in Baltimore. Uh, but but the interesting thing about uh, that kind of surveillance was that what I just talked about was an FBI operation. Uh, what also happened at the same time was that there was a very significant penetration of the activist scene in Baltimore by the Baltimore City Police Department. And, and this also had some political implications because a crucial election came in Baltimore in 1971, mayoral election. And so, so what, what the police department did, it penetrated the campaigns of uh, 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 William Donald Schaefer's two black opponents and then uh, fed all that uh, surveillance information to his campaign. And at the same time, the, the police department also had uh, under surveillance many of the aspiring black uh, office uh, seekers. I always felt The Wire was a documentary. It's not fiction. <laughs> it dropped so many truth bombs. That <laughs> that's just insane, isn't it? Especially with the surveillance. Well, that's why I put that in there. Yeah, because yeah, exactly. The wire got the wire. you prepared yep. for... Yep. It was like, just to be, why always be on camera? I mean, they, they, they lived their lives under 24-hour surveillance, and they actually had this story come out of Baltimore, how they were using drones 
mm-hmm. um, to to surveil Baltimore. So <laughs> that's like I said, crazy. We saw, it's crazy, right? That, mm-hmm. that they use the F, the Black Panther Party. They yeah, use that Co-Intel Pro. Baltimore. Yeah. yeah, which makes you look at the Baltimore riots differently. When I when I heard that, I was like, hmm. Oh, it's, so it's, who, really knows? who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Again, we're living in a simulation. Totally. <laughs> I mean, this, this <laughs> re- stuff is really happening, but it's not exactly what you think it is. I thought that was too good to leave them to clear That's the room for us. Yeah, I, I had to, I had to bring that, that in. Appreciate but that. now we get, because it's, it's pertinent. But can you do me one favor mm-hmm. and go search by the next clip on YouTube, search by that title, and you're going to see get a I, I forgot to send you the screenshot, but I want you to see the picture of uh, Michael K. Williams and the what the pictures that's in the chair on the left hand side of him. Why you could do it while we're playing this next clip, but okay, if you could, I appreciate well, that. Well, you know, body brokers, um, quite frankly, made me sick to my stomach mm-hmm. uh, when I, I I was ignorant to the narrative and the, and the subject of, of what this movie was was addressing. And I remember personally, you know, one of those many nights when I was crying myself to sleep listening to BB and CC Wine, and I would, I would see these these commercials about the, um, you know, these uh, elaborate, beautiful uh, recovery centers. You know, mostly most of them was in Malibu, and I would, I would say, man, if I could get there, maybe I could just get my life together. And to think that that was um, never really the the. That was never the intent. Yeah. And that's what the movie explores is, is, you know, we talk about the amount of profit that people make selling drugs, but there is money also in the rehab process as well, where people exploit folks trying to get help. This You have this pivotal moment that happened in your life um, that involved then Senator Barack Obama on the campaign trail. It was 2008. <laughs> and that's actually when I just interviewed him and met him as well. I'm living in Chicago and he's got this book and oh, it's about of hope and all these things. Mm-hmm. And you said that I just didn't feel worthy of meeting this man. You're in the room. You're there for a reason, but you didn't feel worthy. Why? The impact of my ignorance, actually. And, you know, I was like, well, how does the, the, the future president of the free world, you know, see me? What makes him watch the wire? And, and more importantly, how come I don't know who he is? How come I don't know what he's about? Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I told you. I told nobody Thanks, knew who, Obama. <laughs> nobody knew who Obama was prior to 2007, 2008. I was just nobody. talking about that at dinner. I said, you know, uh, one-term senator. We don't have any of his, his records. We can't find anyone who actually uh, attended a class that he taught constitutional law. I mean, it's, it's it, everything's been locked up. We don't know anything about that guy. So did you see the picture? In so the picture? Are, are you talking about the picture of him with the Kings County, New York t-shirt? No, it's that. Well, it, look over to the left-hand side when he's in frame. It's a picture on the chair to his oh, left-hand side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a dude, like a, what can I see here? Yeah, go ahead and zoom it in. Go um, ahead. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Enhance, rotate, zoom. Okay. Uh, it's, I'm at max zoom. Is that Obama? Kissing him? Oh no, that's not what I'm seeing. Hold on. 
This must be something else. Hold on a second. So it's in. It, I, we don't want to belabor the point. But well, are you kidding me? If clear. listen, if Omar is kissing Barack, I got this is worth stopping the whole damn show for. Hold on a second. Oh, 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 I got it. 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 Hold uh-huh. on. What? No, that's not Barack. You sure? I couldn't make it out. That's why I didn't. I, I asked the question. Why would you have that picture sitting on the chair and that signature looks like? Yeah, and this signature does look a little bit like, you know what? I, I can't zoom in enough now, but that is definitely going to the lab. And I'm going, Please, to, and I'm going to put and, and I'm going to put this in the show notes. <laughs> Everyone's got, ah, uh, yeah. But he, it is. It's just laying there on the chair like it's he did it on purpose. Right. Well, I mean, that would be a weird picture of anybody else to have. In the frame, it's like, hey, you got any, you got any old Barry O memorabilia? He's like, sure, I got this picture. Wow, that's crazy. I know people are asking me why Barry O. Why, why are you stressing Barack Obama with him? Right. Well, he had this movie called uh, Body Brokers, and in the movie, it covers the the loopholes created in the rehab system. And with the ACA, also known as the Obamacare. Oh, uh, the Affordable Care Act. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, you you you, you, you interested? You want to get straight into Yes, it? yes. Th- stop teasing. 38. <laughs> I'm going to let you in on a little secret. In 2008, when the Affordable Care Act was signed, it required every health care provider to cover substance abuse treatment. That's right. Since the bill was passed, nearly 2,000 sober livings, 100 inpatient treatment centers, and 200 detoxes have opened up shop just in Southern California alone. Yeah, business is fucking booming. That's nearly 35,000 beds that need to be filled each month and almost half a million that need to be filled a year. Off the top of my head, that's somewhere around $12 billion annually. And again, that's just in Southern California. This is what we in the treatment industry call the fucking gold rush. Yellow gold. You probably wouldn't believe it, but the piss in this cup is worth more than an ounce of white truffle, beluga caviar, platinum, gold, or even rhino horn. (laughs) Nice color. Each cup of piss pays $2,000, and each client can test up to five times a week. Do the math. That's $10,000 a fucking week off piss. There are three phases of treatment. Detox. We generally bill 4000 a day, with the typical stay being between 7 and 10 days. Next phase was residential. The average stay is 60 days at $2,000 a day. Lastly is outpatient. We bill $2,500 a day for this. So, based on a 90-day program, detox, residential, intensive outpatient, and UAs, that's $300,000 per person per 90 days. And somewhere like New West has 60 beds. That's 18 million billed every quarter. And wait for it, 72 million billed a year. You fucking heard me. 72 million. So not only do I remember that, I actually mm-hmm. remember the whole controversy about that. And everyone's like, okay. what is going on here? Is this the printing money? Mm-hmm. It was in well, the first year or so, too. It was really quick, right off the bat, this first well, uh, term. Where else is testing being big now? 
Coronavirus. <laughs> Every employee has to be tested yeah. once a week. Uh-huh. Same damn scam. Well, you also know who recently bought a uh, a testing company. Our guest Bill Gates. <laughs> and George Soros, yes. Actually, together, the two of them together bought that. The testing is worth more because it's... No, no, no. We don't want you to take the vax. That's a one-time thing. No, 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 no. I have... Uh, so, I had to travel to Europe. To uh-huh. see my daughter, and uh, because of the three-day rule, 72 hours, and I was worried. I, I did one on Saturday, one on Sunday, and mm-hmm. I had to drive to Kerrville. It's like piece of crap town <laughs> uh, to the CVS. First of all, uh, uh, the test was drive-through. So you drive up, you give, me your, your, uh, you give me your insurance card, and you have to understand, I have... High Oscar is the name of my insurance. Okay, it's disaster insurance because it, it's it's. It, I'm just not going to throw money away. So I have like an eight thousand dollar deductible. Um, so I give her that. And she give me the bags. Okay, here it is. Just go ahead and park in the parking lot. Swab your nose and drive through again and drop it off. So the first thing is like, wow. Okay, so this is for a document that is supposedly going to allow me to enter into the European Union, and I can just stick it under my armpit and throw it into the test mm-hmm. tube. Okay. Uh, today or yesterday I got the, uh, I got the, um, the receipts for the, uh, for the insurance. Uh, both were paid in full. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> and you know, who's paying it. you know, who's paying it. Right. It, it's not every, CVS. <laughs> every employer has to have one test per employee yeah. a week. Oh, yeah. No, I've done the numbers. Uh, the president said, oh, we got 80 billion tests. Yeah, that'll last America about three weeks. Right. We're not impressed with your 80 million tests. So we saw this. We saw this done before. This scam, I mean, he called it li- yellow gold. Liquid gold. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, and these are agendas. The, 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 the vax pressure to roll out is more the pharmaceutical industry than, uh, than government, believe it or not. It all the same works way together. With this case, yeah. the same way with this case. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, let's get the addicts. And the thing was, they would tell the you know, and I use that word you know respectfully, addict. But they would tell them recovering addicts, oh, you got to come in dirty <laughs> for, for the scam to work. Yeah, wow. Encouraging them to go back, and I will be doing a deeper dive on this. But I just wanted to bring that up. But since yep. we're talking now, since this is an AJ type of show, yeah, 39. The FBI calls people running these businesses, quote, body brokers, people who traffic body parts and tissue from dead people. Now, this is a search warrant for the Biological Resource Center of Illinois. But in these pages, it spells out details of what investigators say they found here in Arizona. The FBI says at least 20 bodies donated to Biological Resource Center and sold to another body supplier had infectious diseases, things like hepatitis B and C, MRSA, meningitis, sepsis, even HIV. Those remains were sent to surgical training workshops where workers told investigators they never would have used infected body parts had they known. We talked to a woman who said she had planned to donate to BRC even though she had cancer and was part of a hepatitis outbreak as a kid. She was shocked to hear they might be passing off diseased parts as healthy. I don't want to make anybody sick. Can't imagine it being true, but I'm not naive. People will make a dollar any way they can. 
Okay, so she knows, but Elizabeth, did the donors and their families know what these remains would be used for? According to the Warren, Stephanie, the families were told their donations would not be sold, but investigators say they discovered body parts were sold at times for thousands of dollars. You know, a lot of this is really unbelievable. What's legal, what isn't legal? Well, it might shock you, but it isn't illegal to traffic in bodies, organs, and tissues of dead people. It crosses the line, though, when those donation centers say they have the donor's permission to use the remains in a way that they do not. <laughs> Sound familiar? <laughs> yes, it does. It does. It does. It does. John, Johns Hopkins a body broker? By definition. Oh, totally. And and I'm going to... I'm just going to throw Planned Parenthood back out there again. I'm just going to throw all that shit in there. Oh, my right. goodness. That's crazy. Well, we don't broker in bodies over here. We can make our money the hard way. I like so. brand new money. I just I don't want any money around me. It's not. I'd almost rather have a, a new one than, a brand, than an old 20. Now, that's kind of dumb. Isn't it? But there's something about new money that excites you. Yeah. You like $100 bills? Oh, yeah. I like oh. new money, too. Oh, most beautiful thing on earth is a hundred dollar bill. I hadn't seen a woman as good looking as a hundred dollar bill. There's something about a hundred dollar bill that excites you. Yes, that is right. We like the new money. When that uh, clip was made, a hundred dollars was uh, worth a lot more than it is today. Uh, so that's a consideration. If you'd like to support this show with uh, podcasting 2.0, value for value streaming payments, get a new podcast app at uh, newpodcastapps.com. But we do have more people to thank who send us uh, donations, uh, primarily through the links found at uh, mofax.com, the donation page. You can go to it directly at uh, mofundme.com, M-O-E-F-U-N-D.com. Thanking a couple producers here, uh, $40 from Eve, who says, mm-hmm. I think I got it this time. Salute, King. <laughs> was was she, Eve trying to figure tra- this out? She tried three times to send a donation. I got to give her, you know, effort, a A for effort, because she would not be deterred for sending her value in. So thank you a lot, Eve. Oh, we'll give her a little bit of extra karma. <laughs> You've got Mo Karma. Uh, Steel Simi, I think. Uh, 3666. Uh, and the 66 cents, I'm sure, relates to the episode. Love you guys. Such a fantastic show every time. Dodge Gaskill, 3333 Magic Numbers. Emmanuel Brown with $30. Thank you, MoFax, for the tireless work you do, bringing enlightenment and understanding to those whom are ready to learn. Yeah, it does take that. $25 from Douglas Engstrom, who says, I watch your YouTube live about the parolee being mandated to take the vaccine in order to end his sentence. What's to stop a judge from taking the next logical step, in my mind, for medical procedures? Sterilization. It could turn into a eugenics program of sorts for the incarcerated. These judges should be disbarred for these tyrannical rulings. Uh, there is no difference. And in fact, it wasn't even that long ago that we had uh, medical uh, sterilization as punishment in the United States. And, and just as, as a uh, little separate serendipity, the guy was uh, in for fentanyl selling. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, that they got was, it all sold yeah, up, they man. Sure this is ridiculous. They sure do. Uh, Ned L. Ayers III, uh, $25, little something fam, thank you. Uh, Trey, Dre Tinner, uh, comes in as Tyree, showing support, $25, thank you. Donald Davis, uh, $20, J, uh, Jaman McLaren, uh, the 20 and below, we're just going to do the, uh, the amounts and the names from now on, just to keep, uh, keep the segments to some decent length. Um, 
Is it James, yeah, Jamon McLaren, $20, then three donations. Hey, hold on a second. Uh, Taylor Stagg, three times 20. Shouldn't we put Taylor up in the uh, associate executive producer spot? You know what that got by me? Sorry about it, because he came in, yeah, three different times, yes. Yeah, we'll make sure we do that. I'm going to put you there. Taylor. Sorry about that, Taylor. <laughs> Maybe we can read some of his notes then. Let's at least, I mean, they're short. Uh, well, his notes are uh, uh, Disco Biscuits sold a lemon and Disco Bis- Biscuits part two. He was, yeah. he was trying to guess if there was going to be a part two, but no. No, no, no. That's he's speaking from the YouTube. The, the, the oh, tapes. the live. Yeah. Oh, both of those are live. Sold how, lemon how long? And how long? Disco how long did you do the live? Was it like two hours, three hours? Yes. Right, no, it's, no, no, it's, not, it's like uh, a little under two hours. And I was to do that on Saturday morning now. It's like I got to watch TV shows. I got to <laughs> watch documentaries. Thanks, Mo. Thanks a lot. Uh, Keep it Ch- Chaz Tally, $10. Thank you. Elvis, Chef Elvis uh, Rosenberg, $10. Michael Hanna with 10 Andrea, 10 Charles A. Fondasanda, 10 uh, David Ackerman with 9 Shazir, Shazir with 7 Vincent Farrell, 5 55 uh, Yarbrough with $5, Indigo Pangea, four eighty two, and Terry the Human Subscription Keller every single time comes in with four eleven. and one of these days we'll get that subscription set up for you so you don't have to do it via human uh, means. Thank you very much. And to- it will be named in your name, yes, Terry. Oh, you better believe it. It'll be Terry the Human <laughs> Subscription Option. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you to all of you producers uh, for sending in the uh, Fiat Fund coupons through Cash App and PayPal. Again, it's mofundme.com, M-O-U-F-N-U-D-M-E.com. It's value for value. It doesn't matter what you send. As long as the number is meaningful to you, that can be numerology, it can be the, the actual amount, whatever it is, that's how it works. You get value, you send it back, automate that with the podcast app from newpodcastapps.com. Thanks again for supporting and not just doing that, but actually producing episode 66 of MoFax with Adam Curry. You know I had to do it. You know I had to do it. Uh-oh. Let's get into some OG AJ. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frog. There gay. it is. <laughs> <laughs> can I just say? Can I just say something about that? Yes. Since we moved out of Austin, uh, we're eighty miles west. We have a well. We have well water, mm-hmm. and I've had this plant. This uh, it's called the money plant. My my. Uh, my agent 12 years ago gave it to me when I said, you still my agent. Hey, it's a guilt plant, Adam. You'll love it. So I've kept this thing with me for 12 years. It's uh, It's been through a full marriage. It's been on the road with me touring in the Airstream. And I've always taken care of it. I love it. It's called, its name is Plant, Plants Around. Plant is in a similar situation, but now it's being fed with the well water. Holy crap. This thing's on fire now. Telling me the city water is crap. <laughs> so this is one of those memes. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? That, this is a classic. This is this is the classic this AJ. Is the, this is a classic AJ. But there's some there's some truth behind it. So we gotta find it. So we gotta talk about Tyrone Hayes and him being targeted by the herbicide firm. 
Yes. Now we turn to the story of a University of California scientist who discovered that a popular herbicide may have harmful effects on the endocrine system. Tyrone Hayes was first hired in 1997 by a company that later became agribusiness giant Syngenta. They asked him to study their their product, atrazine, a pesticide that is applied (laughs) to more than half the corn crops in the United States and widely used on golf courses and Christmas tree farms. But after Hayes found results that the the manufacturer did not expect, that atrazine causes sexual abnormalities in frogs and could cause the same problems for humans, Syngenta refused to allow him to publish his work. This was the start of an epic feud between the scientist and the corporation. Now a new article in the New Yorker magazine uses court documents from a class action lawsuit against Syngenta to show how it sought to prevent the Environmental Protection Agency from banning the profitable chemical, which is already banned by the European Union. To start with, the company's public relations team drafted a list of four goals. Reporter Rachel Aviv writes, quote, the first was, quote, discredit Hayes. In a spiral-bound notebook, Syngenta's communications manager, Sherry Ford, who referred to Hayes by his initials, wrote that the company could prevent citing of TH data by revealing him as non-credible. He was a frequent topic of conversation at company meetings. Syngenta looked for ways to exploit Hayes' faults, problems. If TH involved in scandal, Enviros will drop him, Ford wrote. Yep. The good old atrazine followed it for quite a while. Did you follow Tyrone Hayes? Not at all. Didn't, never, never. Of course. I mean, pfft. of course, they Tyrone. I mean, like, so. I, well, no, I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> no, I, mean, I know you didn't. <laughs> Actually, that's funny. Of course, man. Ignore that guy. No, I did I, Never. Never, we, but you know, we talked about atrazine on no agenda for several years. But he no. was silenced. Of course, he was. Holy I, crap! I thought you had to trust the science. No, see, n- not when there's money this, involved. That's my point. Here's a black man telling people that their frogs are gay, and they silenced him. Oh man! You want to hear more about Tyrone? Yes, yes. You might as well stop teasing. It's not fun when you do that. <laughs> Yes, you know I do. You know I do. 42. Well, here at Berkeley, I was a a new assistant professor. I was already studying the effects of hormones and the effects of chemicals that interfere with hormones on amphibian development. And I was approached by the manufacturer and asked to study the effects of atrazine, uh, the herbicide, on frogs. And after I discovered that it interfered with male development and caused uh, males to turn into females to develop eggs, the company tried to prevent me from publishing and from discussing that work with other scientists outside of their panel. Well, initially we found that the larynx or the voice box in exposed males didn't grow properly. And this was an indication that the male hormone testosterone was not being produced uh, at appropriate levels. And eventually we found that not only did were these males demasculized or chemically castrated, but they also were starting to develop ovaries or starting to develop eggs. And eventually we discovered that these males didn't breed properly, uh, that some of the males actually completely turned into females. So we had 
had genetic males that were laying eggs and reproducing as females, and now we're starting to show that some of these males actually show, um, I guess, what, what we call homosexual behavior. They actually prefer to mate with other males. So one of the most disheartening things in this whole process is that many of my critics, you know, it's one to be academic if you come and say, well, we interpreted the data this way, and we want to argue about this point, but these people really didn't even have an opinion. These, these opinions were written by the manufacturer, and they were paid to put their names on them to endorse the opinions of the manufacturer. So, you know, that's one of the most disheartening things, that, that they were really just personalities for sale. Yeah. There it is. Personalities there it is. for sale. Yeah. Personalities for sale. What is their goal here? You know, I mean, like, <clears throat> you have this black scientist from the Uni uh, University of California, Berkeley, uh, accredited, did the work, has a scientific proof, and they set out to destroy him because they didn't like his narrative and he wouldn't play ball. Well, it's, it's, and so I, 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 I don't think that they um, that this was purely profit driven. I'm going to initially presume, mm -hmm. um, the, you know, after all, it was a it, you know it was a, about frogs. It was an amphibious study, <clears throat> and uh, they just don't want any negative uh, any negative noise. And so I don't think it was to kill to turn uh, children gay. Uh, turn young no, no, boys no, no, gay. No, no, no but, yeah, but hey, but believe that. me, believe me, I got to look at the at all these uh, all these angles. So right, it, but it, what I'm saying is, even his blackness, and he, and if you look at Tyrone, I mean, he showed up in like a a lavender and black uh, black plaid jacket, and he, you know, he, he he seemed somewhat effeminate. I'm not not making any, you know making any assumptions about him, but it's like just say if he was you no know, gay. Gay and black couldn't even protect him from being harassed and silent. Right, right. When it comes to the green, it doesn't matter. I don't mean the frogs, folks. <laughs> when it comes to the green, nobody's safe. You have to push the agenda. That's the point I'm trying to push with this segment, that it doesn't matter about the science. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, he's a sharp dresser. He's a very sharp dresser. <laughs> and like I said, we give him even more credibility in my book. To come out and say, oh, no, wait. Hayes lives in California with his wife, Kathy Kim, and their two children. Okay. Doesn't mean, I mean, he's, doesn't mean he's not gay. It don't mean nothing. You're right. Uh, I mean, but if it, what, what I'm saying is the fact that on this woke campus, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I hear to you. be railroaded as a black person, which, you know, all yeah, the, okay, yeah, you know, yeah. The Berkeley, th the Berkeley part is, uh, makes it very annoying. I got you. Yeah. Very annoying. Yeah. Um, but I will say this. <laughs> Welcome to the bottom. <laughs> the, the, the reason why I, I did this segment is that we've seen a man pregnant. I don't mention his name, please. Don't feed the troll. Please don't feed the troll, folks. Um, we've seen a pregnant black man take over the headlines. Um, and I, I think, well, let's get let's go ahead and play 43 and I'll tell you what I think on the backside of it. 
Two months later, I was pregnant again, so I went back to her. At 16 weeks, I went for an ultrasound at the clinic and saw a different doctor who was working that day. I found out again. I was in preterm labor. The doctor told me that the baby was going to abort. I said, no, you have to do something. But he was adamant, and he said, just go home. Let it abort. You can get pregnant again because that's what you people do. <laughs> My sister Kelly was with me. We didn't know what to do after the doctor left, so we saw a chair sitting in the hallway. My sister picked up the chair, and she threw it down the hallway. Nurses came running from everywhere to see what was wrong. A nurse called my doctor, and she put me on a stretcher. The next morning, my doctor came in and placed a cerclage um, on my uterus, and I was able to carry my baby, my daughter, my angel, who is now 20 years old, my son, who was saved, is now 21 years old. This is what desperation looks like, that chair flying down a hallway. This is what being your own advocate looks like. Every day, black women are subjected to harsh and, harsh and racist treatment during pregnancy and childbirth. Every day, black women die because the system denies our humanity. It denies us patient care. I sit before you today as a single mom, as a nurse, as an activist, and as a congresswoman, and I am committed to doing the absolute most to protect black mothers, to protect black babies, to protect black birthing people, and to save lives. <laughs> yeah. What I think they're doing is, politically, I'm not talking about people socially or whatever, they tie these terms like black birthing people and with a very everything she said up to that point is a very serious concern mm -hmm. because we heard of the mortality rates and uh, of women it's and the poor huge concern, yeah, which feeds back into what we talked about with uh, Johns Hopkins and the care that they get mm -hmm. in in poor hospitals or hospitals uh, that they well, let me say it like this: not poor hospitals, definitely not a poor hospital, but the two tiered medical system for poor people, and that's a very serious topic. And then you throw black birthing people in there. It's like birthing people. <laughs> like, huh? Like, I mean, like I said, I'm, whatever, whatever you do, you do. But it kind of discredits and dis derails a serious topic. And, and is that by strategy? I don't know. I mean, I don't know why they're trying to lump gay in with black and make it synonymous. Uh, I find it very troubling. I find it very troubling that it's forced, kind of like black and brown. It's the same. Yeah, yeah, it's the yeah, same yeah. thing. Oh yeah. Now for sure, it's um. Well, they're doing all this now because everyone's amygdala is so out of whack that we're. I mean, everybody is in constant fight or flight mode. You know, so that's when you're so susceptible. And I think these terms slip in a boom. It's cemented forever. But why they're doing this particular, I mean, hmm. It's, it's, it's block building. It's, it's political it's, block it's, building. Yeah, it's, pure, it's purely political. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's all that it is. But it could be deeper. But I'll show you another example of it. Let's just go through this right quick. This is uh, Candace Owens with Mark Lamont Hill. So, so to acknowledge a social construct does not mean that we ignore biology. And it doesn't um, it doesn't mean that we don't have can men get pregnant uh, depends. <laughs> I know. I know. What does I, it depend on? I know trans men that can get pregnant. That, that means it's a woman. 
Only one sex can well, get that's pregnant. That's a circular argument. That's it's making a circular the question. argument. Yeah. It's proving my thing. There is a truth, a concrete truth. You have to be born with a uterus to have a baby. Only women can get pregnant. The fact that we've arrived in a society right, that's the part I'm disagreeing with. That's the part I'm disagreeing with. There's nothing with. to disagree with. It. These are facts. So you can say that this person who is pregnant identifies as a man. That person was born a woman. I can tell you that every single time because only women can have sex because there are concrete truths about life. Have babies. That, I mean, can have uh, babies, pardon. And that, that is a hard truth about life. You cannot make that go away because you want to call a man, somebody who has a beard and dresses like a dude a woman. Only if it's pregnant, I'll, I can tell you exactly what it is. It's a woman. That kind of thing. But I think this is what we talked about before. This is magic. This is this is a magic spell. Oh, thank um, you. Thank you for saying that. I before you continue, ever yes. since you turned me and which of course has been from show one, you've turned me on to the spell. <laughs> and I was reading about spells the other day, uh, in the context actually in the context of um uh of how the, the church used to work uh before the Gutenberg press, before people could read the Bible themselves. And, you know, the idea of a spell is literally because of the words. You're spelling out words. It is just words. Spelling. Spe- spelling. <laughs> Actual spell is just words. And when you say black birthing person, I hear that as a spell now. The same thing with men can have babies. It's like it does something to the brain that you can hear Candace Owen, which is she's usually a cool as a cucumber. But you can see she was getting worked up. Yeah, over it. she's a pretty new mom herself, so she's kind of pissed off about that. Right. But, but like I said, it, even if it's not even a point to argue, <laughs> I mean, that's my thing, but they use it as a, it's just like a trigger you know, or a nudge to bring you into the conversation of what are we doing here? I mean, like, ser- seriously, what, what, what are we discussing? I mean, we have a serious topic that Corey Bush, he covered. For almost a minute and a half, and then you and she even stumbled <laughs> on the it, words at the very end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and then this is a Ben Shapiro clip of uh, transgender parents tries to breastfeed child. This is being championed. These are civil rights heroes. There's a man who's sticking his nipple in the mouth of a child, in the mouth of a small baby, in a bizarre attempt to nourish the baby with literally nothing. And you're a bigot if you disagree. You're the authoritarian for suggesting there is a problem here. There is apparently a series that uh, is is called Nine Months with Courtney Cox. It's a docu-series about various couples having children. And this went viral yesterday. It is a video from apparently season three, episode eight of Nine Months with Courtney Cox. And it features a transgender man, meaning a biological woman, who pushed, is a biological woman, who had a baby. There's not a man who had a baby because that's not possible. There's a biological woman who used her uterus to create a baby and then pushed the baby out through her vagina because she's a biological woman once more. And no amount of testosterone that produces facial hair or growing the hair out or mastectomies changes the fact that this is a biological woman as evidenced by the fact that biological men cannot give birth. Hey, by the way, you're a bigot if you disagree. Not only are you a bigot, if you bring up your children to disagree, the left will, will sick the authoritarian regime on you. I mean, this is the way this is going to go over the next few years. You watch. Hey, here is uh, the, the bizarre new world we have created for ourselves, the counter-reality new world we have created for ourselves. But it doesn't matter so long as these people feel better about themselves. Sure, the baby's going to starve to death, but at least the delusional parents feel better about themselves. <laughs> so the reason why I bring all this up is I saw everybody hair catching on fire with the one that won't be named 
walking around as a a pregnant man, mm-hmm. we have to stop feeding into things that we we see things. It's like you're seeing this to trigger you. Don't stop and watch the magic show. You see what I'm saying? Like keep keep it moving because that's what they want to do is drag you in um, into a conversation that's only going to leave you perplexed. It's, and, and it's going to leave you perplexed because if you don't agree, you're immediately shamed. That's why you need to stay away from that. Right. And if you do agree, it's like, well, you'll never agree. And that's the whole point is to leave you in a perpetual state of frustration. And that, and that's how they break your will. Like I said, it's people's choice. This is America. You can do whatever you want to do with as long as you decide the letter of the law. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is stop being so triggered by what you see because that's the desired effect. That's why I won't mention this character's name because that's what he wants from you. Mm-hmm. He wants to trigger you to say, ah, did you see the VMAs? <laughs> did you see, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you see, it's like, I'm saying this is a public service announcement. Keep it moving, folks. Just keep it moving. Mofax says, keep it moving, folks. <laughs> keep it moving. Because you have you have to. We have to. If not, you're going to get sucked into a circular argument. It's only going to leave you frustrated. And that's how trolls work. Troll, trolls bring you into something like, yes. By the way, the, the person who should not go named, that it was an excellent troll. Perfect. I mean, no. <laughs> Let's he's be a honest ma- about it. He is a master, master magician. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. yeah. He knows how to get a response because he used to run a fan page for Nicki Minaj. So yeah. he, he understands the power of memes. Uh-huh, and, uh-huh. You know, he, he like you're in his domain. Yeah. <laughs> like when you get on the Internet, you're in his domain. So he knows exactly how to get it right. The, the, you know, the, whatever, the sneakers with the blood, blah, blah, blah. We won't get into it. But my point is, I'm saying this to people. Don't allow yourself to be triggered because there's other stuff we need to worry about, like <laughs> uterus transplants. <laughs> oh, of course. It's 8 a.m. from Fox 35. Do you know where your uterus is? This is Good Day Orlando. A game changer for some couples. Experts think that within the next five to ten years, it could be possible for men to have a baby. Carry a baby, deliver a baby, all of it. Coming up next, we're going to speak to a local fertility doctor about the new development that could possibly become reality. On the Health Watch this morning, recently the Cleveland Clinic announced that it is performing uterus transplant surgery for some women. That led to some people to wonder if they can transplant a uterus into a man, and if so, can a man give birth? The answer is yes. A doctor from the University of Southern California says it can be a reality in about five to ten years, and maybe even sooner. Dr. Mark Charles with Fertility Care joins us now to talk about this. My first question is why? (laughs) Oh, goody, goody, I can't wait. Seriously? Yeah, seriously. Right. Yeah. We don't even have the plumbing for it, but but this is more. But remember, true. remember, Mo. They have to get ratings. I mean, television. I was looking at um, the MTV uh, Video Music Award. I, 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 you know, they don't really report overnight ratings anymore. But uh, a couple of years ago, they had 12 million people watching. Well, I guarantee you, it wasn't that this year. You know, it's such it, it, a poor production now. But it's not even that. It doesn't matter which show you put on. It doesn't matter who's doing it. Television is done. 
They, but that's they, why they have the troll. See, they have the troll. Yes, the exactly, exactly. And so the troll is a part of the system. It's how it works. It's exactly right. right. And and I saw clips of that because that used to be the Illuminati uh, culmination ball, but it was so low quality. I was the, the green screens and the back screen. I was like, geez, they have fell off. Like they had to resort to soft the. Source award tactics of having a machine gun Kelly and uh, yeah, right, and, and uh, what's Connor McGregor. It's like, it's like, man, y'all are really scraping the bottom now. Like, oh, they had, I saw there were a couple of um, uh, checkerboard floors, there was some uh, burning hearts with daggers. I mean, there was some stuff in there. Oh, yeah, Chloe, she, she's been groomed to the Chloe, oh, yeah, and, oh, yeah, yeah, all over. So, that. she's being groomed to be the next, but what I'm saying is the quality of it. I mean, it was such poor quality. It's like they're not even getting the top people to show up or run it behind the scenes. So, this, I mean, we're we're winning the war. Uh, oh, easily. Don't allow yourself easily. to be trolled. No, no, no. We, <laughs> we are winning the war. That's why Podcasting 2.0 is keeping everybody honest and keeping everybody out of trouble. Where mm-hmm. They can't take that. You can't be canceled. Your show can't be canceled. And nor can the money. I mean, we love PayPal and Cash App, but if that's a problem, we can keep going forever. So we are winning. We are (laughs) winning. We are. Eventually, it's all going to collapse upon itself. But that's what this is like. We'll we'll have to do some work before that happens, Mo. Especially you and I. But that's what the last block was about: is just don't allow yourself to be triggered. Uh, Keep keep your you know, menticide is a real thing. Uh, and one part of that is the is the gaslighting aspect of it. So don't don't fall prey to it. And you can tell from this show how we are. Everything's possible, <laughs> and it isn't even that hard. So Mo, thank you. This was really good, man. This was a good potluck. I you you blew me away multiple times. <laughs> really cool. I, it's so refreshing to. Uh, to have a different take on all of these stories that are that are rolling right now, and uh, you know, especially uh, uh, props to Henrietta Lacks, man. That's the story I got to dive deep into. I got to find uh, out it, anything more. It's it will probably evolve into a full show. I can but see I why. I wanted to address it now. Yeah, um, I can see just why. As it's because you're seeing it starting to ramp up with the uh, the Crump aspect and the anniversary coming you know saying thank god for crump man he he keeps us with material we appreciate it (laughs) thank you crump Crump. and thank you mo i really appreciate what you've done once again thank you adam and as i always say pay attention to everything and the truth will reveal itself and uh two weeks we'll be back but when's the next live eight o'clock wednesday eight o'clock wednesday that's it everybody Episode number 66, Mo Facts with Adam Curry, is in the can. Enjoy it. I know I certainly did. Please remember, this is a value-for-value podcast. Nothing works without your support. We need your time, your talent, and your treasure. Go to MoFacts.com for more. And, of course, uh, directly to the donation page at MoFundMe.com. And use a podcasting 2.0 app. Mo, uh, 14 days, brother. See you then. I see you later, Adam.